Hey everybody, how y'all doing? I'm Michael. I'm joined by Alex as always. How's it going? And it's another episode of Fallen Through Plotholes, a podcast about video game plot lines and how they have a tendency to go off the rails. And this is part five, the final part, for now anyways. For now. Of our series on Final Fantasy VII, a game, a series that would imply there's only one game, but it turns out there's <laughs> about a million of them. And even when they remake the original, you still have to fit basically two hours talking about the entire thing. <laughs> Alex, our nightmare is almost over. I've I've been thoroughly enjoying this whole thing. It has actually been good. It's um, this has definitely been our longest, uh, longest mini series to date. Which I suppose is not surprising, given this is one of my games on my hell list. Mm -hmm. But um, I was expecting to get it done in, say, four episodes and a month, and not five episodes in two months. But what can he do? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. You know, uh, delays are kind of inherent to the Final Fantasy VII experience. Exactly. And by doing this, by delaying for forever, we've essentially... <laughs> basically already caught you up with what's going to be most of Final Fantasy VII Remake's development cycle. So congratulations. Mm -hmm. We could just move on to the plot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it actually probably would behoove us to talk a little bit about that. But uh, It absolutely would. I would riot if we skipped the development of this game. Oh, God, it's such a nightmare development. It's so bad. It, it's By the end of this story, you're going to wonder how this game came out half as good as it did. Mm hmm especially given some of the people that are involved, but... Yeah. Oh, but before we get into that, Alex, uh, have you uh, touched Final Fantasy VII Remake at all? I have. I have played through uh, the main game mm -hmm. uh, approximately one and a half times. Mm. Nice. Um, and I have not played its uh, DLC expansion, I don't know, Integrade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same here. Uh, I have played through it twice. I'm currently on my third playthrough because I downloaded it for my PlayStation 5 with the purpose of actually playing through Integrate for this podcast. <laughs> and then I just started playing the main game instead. Yeah. And I was like, oh my god, this game is great. Oh, this game's so good. It's really good. It is really, really good. And it shouldn't be. Oh my <laughs> god, this game should not be good. It, Yeah. Oh, and that's mostly because of just, well, really the legacy of Final Fantasy VII and anything that is vaguely spin-off-ish, remade, or whatever that is involved with this particular franchise. And this one particular game, Final Fantasy VII in general, uh, let's say it didn't really leave much in the way of expectations, or at least good expectations, mm -hmm. uh, and especially didn't really... Given that what you you would know about Square from the time this game was released in uh, in twenty twenty, like leading up to there, like Square finally started to kind of dig themselves out of a hole that they kind of put themselves in. But mm -hmm. in the intervening, oh, was it thirteen years between <laughs> Crisis Core and this game, Square went through some things. Yeah, uh, to give a very short summation of exactly what those things were. Uh, Square focuses incredibly heavily on Western development to honestly some success. The Tomb Raider reboots and Deus Ex reboots, for instance, were great games that somehow did not meet Square's expectations despite selling millions of copies. <laughs> All the while, Maybe those expectations were insanely high for no reason. 
SpaceX only sold three and a half million copies. This cannot failure. possibly be. Failure. This is an absolute failure. Let's make another one. Uh, All the while. Make, make a sequel to Deus Ex, but split it into two games. Okay, the first one didn't do well. Cancel the second. <laughs> And then let's just sell them all off. Just sell them. Just sell them. Get them out of here. Failures, a lot of them. Absolute failures. And while that is all happening, while the honestly the Western half, the you know the Eidos side of Square Enix is doing pretty well, and yet somehow disappointed the Japanese side. The Japanese <laughs> side is doing things like Final Fantasy Thirteen, uh... um, or the entire Final Fantasy Thirteen project, the Fabulous Novus Crystallis. Which is their attempt, essentially, have an actual plan behind their own compilation of Final Fantasy Thirteen, for lack of a better term. Uh, that Spoiler, result... the plan fails horrendously. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, three games with the Final Fantasy Thirteen branding come out. Uh, and two other games. One of them uh, is, ends up just being shuffled off to, I believe, the PSP or PS Vita. And Yeah, Vita. Yeah, eventually eventually after many delays and while technically is part of the Final Fantasy 13 universe uh you wouldn't know it by any of the marketing or anything like that mm -hmm. and then of course final fantasy versus 13 a game that was so delayed and so froth with difficulties <laughs> they eventually just said why don't we call it final fantasy 15 and divorce <laughs> it from everything else <laughs> it honestly still amazes me that all of those games ended up coming out mm -hmm. like it just dawned on me one day that oh wow that that entire fabula novalist whatever trilogy actually came out and i own all three of them yeah i bet and one of them's even good yeah one of them's actually a decent game too bad it's the third one yeah and the one that Got rid of any association with 13 at all. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, so Square put a lot of money and effort behind that particular project, and unfortunately, it it was both successful and yet unsuccessful at the same time. There was just mm -hmm. so many cost overruns and development overruns that even though the entire Final Fantasy 13 series did sell particularly well, at least in Japan, uh, it did still leave them but a little bit of dire straits there for a bit. Yep. And... As far as how the public felt about Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy in general, it was pretty much at a low ebb at this point. There was also the situation of the MMORPG they released, Final mm. Fantasy XIV, yep. uh, which initially released to just horrific reception, mm -hmm. so bad that they ultimately killed and remade the game mm -hmm. into a half-decent game that eventually became a quite good game. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And even when Final Fantasy XV itself came out, like people mm -hmm. liked that game, but it's it's not exactly a beloved Final Fantasy. No, it is perfectly good and fun and serviceable, but it is not a classic. It is not a classic. Yeah, so it, it just left the Final Fantasy brand in many ways in a really odd spot by the, uh, by the late 2010s. Like when you really look back on critical reception and sales for the series, you really have to go all the way back to 2001's Final Fantasy X for something that was just a big gangbusters hit from them. Yep. So when they eventually got around to announcing that they were going to be remaking Final Fantasy VII, uh, a lot of people were excited, and a lot more people, such as myself, were like, boy, this is going to be trash, and I'm just not going <laughs> to pay attention to any of it. Well, let's talk about... It, go ahead. It, I was going to say, really... 
seemed like a no-win situation. Mm-hmm. Like Seven is such a beloved game, remembered by so many people and liked for so many reasons that you can't possibly hope to satisfy everyone. No, or maybe even the majority of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like the rose tinting and just nostalgia factor of that particular game. How instrumental it was to the development of a lot of people who are in the games industry today and just who grew up with video games mm-hmm. in general. The idea of trying to remake that game seemed daunting. It also seemed daunting from another perspective that Square themselves would point out multiple times. Final Fantasy VII came from an era of JRPGs, turn-based combat games, that mm. due to their scope and how they were built tended to be incredibly large and detailed worlds that as development costs increase and expectations of what is supposed to be in a video game, just as far as the consumer is concerned, grew and grew and the bar got raised higher and higher. The idea of transplanting the entirety of Final Fantasy VII or really any classic you know, square mm-hmm. RPG into a more modern context was something that would probably bankrupt the company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so for a long time, Square insisted that they were not going to remake this game or more accurately that they were interested, but just the conditions at this time did not necessitate them to do so. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that being said, fans really wanted this game to be remade and it mostly starts going all the way back to 2005. Uh, you may have seen this uh, little demo, Alex. Um, in the mm-hmm. lead-up to the release of the PlayStation 3, Sony's new console, Square wanted to show off a cool technical demo of what exactly the system was capable of. Mm-hmm. And so they put together a recreation of the opening cinematic of Final Fantasy VII, complete with Cloud jumping off the train and everything. And it looked great! It looked really good. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. Great technical demo. Great, like, nostalgia factor. You're just like, ah, yeah, I remember that thing. Now it looks really cool. Mm-hmm. This is one of the stupidest things Square's ever done. Yep, because it just led to widespread speculations like, oh, they're going to remake Final Fantasy VII for the PlayStation 3. And then Square had to come out and be like, no, 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 no we're not. This no, is, no, this no, is no, not no, 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 no. Nope. And it's going to and like it's going to set up a process where every E3, every June, mm-hmm. every press conference that Square might be a part of, there's always going to be speculation. Oh, they're going to announce Final Fantasy VII remake. <laughs> and every time Square is going to have to come out and be like, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> and so that's kind of how it went for years and years, occasionally Sony would throw fuel on the fire by being like, oh man, happy anniversary to Final Fantasy VII, the best is yet to come. And then people would be like, oh, they're going to about to announce it? It's like, no, they're not. Oh. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> uh, once uh, the compilation of Final Fantasy VII finally ended, or the first half of it ended in 2007, uh, key figures such as uh, Tetsuya Nomura and Yoshinori Katase would say things like, boy, we would really like to remake this game at some point. Which would they lead needed to, to stop saying that. They would say that about every couple of years, and then Square would have to come out and be like, we're not actually doing that. <laughs> and this kept going on and on and on until about 2013 to 2014, when people finally started to calm down and be like, you know what? This is not going to happen. It would be absolutely ridiculous. They would have to split it up to three games. Nobody would be satisfied. Why would they do that? 
Mm-hmm. And then in 2015, at E3, at Square's press co- at uh, Sony's press conference, a incredibly overwrought trailer talking about how the reunion was at hand. Something that when I saw it, I just kind of groaned because I kind of thought it didn't look all that great. <laughs> we got to see the city of Midgar and the backs of both Cloud and Barrett as the opening little notes of um, the Final Fantasy soundtrack hit us. And it turns out Final Fantasy VII Remake was coming. People went crazy about this. People that weren't me, mostly. <laughs> and this was evident by the fact that Square Enix stock hit a record high not seen since 2008. It was the most watched trailer from that year, and it, people were just going crazy with anticipation about this game. And then they're like, when's it going to come out? Well, <laughs> the answer is going to be five years from now. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason why is because the development of this game is a mess. Yeah. So to start with, why this game even happened in the first place is that Square actually did have plans to remake Final Fantasy VII for about roughly the past uh, five years before this point. Uh, maybe a little bit longer than that. Uh, Yoshinori Katase, the original director and now kind of one of the head producers at Square Enix, uh, really was wanting to remake this game. But he wanted to have everybody involved with Final Fantasy VII to have a hand in it. So Tetsuya mm-hmm. Nomura, who's now like a big time director and producer himself, Kazushika Nojima, who's technically not even at the company anymore, even bringing people back like Nobura Yumatsa, the uh, legendary composer who had long left Square at this point. Mm-hmm. Like he wanted to get all those people back. And the reason being is because there was some thought about handing this project off to a new younger team. And Katasi was like, we are not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is red flag number one for me. And the reason why this was red mm-hmm. flag number one for me was two things. One, all these idiots were the people in charge of the final fan- compilation of Final Fantasy VII. Uh-huh. And that wasn't that great. Right. Uh, Nojima was lead writer for a lot of those projects, and it was mm-hmm. the, the stories of those games seemed to kind of miss the point of how those characters acted and reacted to the world in Final Fantasy VII. So there was kind of that. The... The second thing is that this was around the time that a really big youth movement was happening in a lot of Japanese studios to great success, honestly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Key among them being Nintendo, for instance. Uh, There was a lot of youth that that was being kind of injected into the studios there and into lead positions that led to games just like Super Mario Odyssey and Breath of the Wild. Right. Still having like some old hands there to show them ropes, but otherwise let them kind of do their thing so they can make, Mm -hmm. you know, their old childhood favorites into something that was new and fresh and was very, very successful. Yeah, it was a real passing of the torch phase. And yeah, a lot of the new talent coming in had some really interesting ideas that managed to shake up franchises that had just kind of been treading water for like a decade or more. Mm -hmm. And yeah, they're not definitely not the only company that was doing this. Like Capcom also was doing this as well. Uh, But like, to see Square doing this, to kind of go back to the well, was like, okay, well, can't wait for this. <laughs> the second was that Square announced that they weren't going to be uh, solely in charge of development. Rather, they were going to outsource certain aspects, such as the battle system, to companies such as CyberConnect 2. Uh, mm. This became further concerning when in 28, about 2017, I believe, they said they're taking development away from them and moving everything <laughs> internally. 
<laughs> why could that be? I wonder why. Maybe because a gameplay demo came out that didn't look that great. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. And yeah, like pre-release footage that Square would put out, not leaked, that they would just put out, just didn't really look that hot. Mm -hmm. There was once again the questions of like, how can you possibly satisfy everybody uh, who are fans of Final Fantasy VII with this now what's going to be a confirmed episodic series of three games, one just right. focusing on Midgar in general. Like, it seemed like everybody was going to be hugely disappointed by this. And then, of course, delay after delay, the game finally got announced for release on April 10th of 2020. And, you know, me, two years ago, me was like, well, this is probably going to be pretty bad. And then two weeks before it came out, some story details leaked. That basically mm -hmm. said, hey, by the way, this is not a remake. <laughs> and then I immediately shut down after that. I don't know how, like, if you were particularly spoiled by, like, the big twist in this that Rob's going to get to, but... I... I can't remember. Like, I I think I dodged, like, outright spoilers. Hmm. Um, but I, I definitely got wind that there were, like, certain things were going to change. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely heard that, like, oh, okay, well, we're going to change some aspects of the story, which I'm like, yeah, no, of course you are. But right. when I heard, like, hey, there's going to be, like, I was planning to just spoil myself on the game. Mm -hmm. And I heard, oh, no, it's a sequel, actually, and it gets wild. It's like, <laughs> okay, I'm intrigued. I'm going to completely shut down. And you know what? I'm going to buy this game. I have to know. Mm -hmm. And upon release, this game basically just hit the ground running. It was not only critically acclaimed, it was the fastest selling PS4 game at three and a half million copies within three days. Yeah. That number increased, I believe, to five million within the week. <laughs> and for one reason or another, Square has not released like official like numbers, or at least official numbers I can't find. It's probably on some sort of corporate report somewhere. Right. Most but, likely. But the point being is that this game sold incredibly well. It was a late-era PlayStation 4 game, and despite that, though, the game looked great. It ran great. Mm -hmm. uh, like, the music easily hit the tones that were just absolutely, absolutely spot-on remakes of the music, good remixes and everything. Mm -hmm. And maybe even more importantly, the game was incredibly fun to play, and the story... While there's definitely some aspects of the story that are controversial, and we're going to get into that, uh huh. I think for the most part they nail it. I think so. I I, I think the so the part you, the story sort of breaks down into two camps: the parts that are from the original game mm. and the new stuff. Mm. As far as old stuff goes, basically a hundred percent. Yeah, just nailing it after nailing it, just bringing it, updating it, re. Not fully rewriting it, but like tweaking it and making it more comprehensible, more, you know, in line with sort of what you'd expect out of modern games. Just perfect. Mm -hmm. New stuff is kind of a mixed bag, but in general, I'm intrigued by what they're doing. Yeah. I say is how I describe it. There are some aspects that don't land and there are some that do land. And it's, yeah, it's really mixed. It, and what's very interesting is that there was a lot of chatter that they were not going to use any of the stuff from the compilation at all. Mm. And it turns out <laughs> that, no, they're more than happy to do that. Yeah, they're going to use basically all of it, probably. Even the dumb novels. The kids are all right. Like, two yeah. characters from that are in there. <laughs> and one of them plays a surprisingly prominent role, which yeah. is weird. Um, 
but he ends up actually they end up mixing him in there and actually works uh the character designs end up hemming a lot harder to how final fantasy 7 those characters looked in final fantasy 7 as opposed Mm -hmm. to the compilation even the game world itself they it's definitely seems like they took a look at how this game looked and went okay no we had to make sure this thing looks industrial as hell right there are so many tubes, Alex. Oh, so it many looks pipes. So good. It looks so good. Oh, the aesthetic is so on point. Oh, it's mmm. Mmm. And the decision to focus on Midgar, which is unquestionably the most interesting part of Final Fantasy VII. Absolutely. Was the right decision. And they mm-hmm. wanted to do things like, hey, let's inspect let's expand like Avalanche's role and like what their entire deal is. Let's actually visit some of the cities on top of the plate, the upper city, because you yeah. you never actually see those. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, you know, like let's you'll expand out like the relationships that everyone just has with each other. And they accomplish this a couple of ways. The first is that they overhauled the voice acting. Uh mm-hmm. longtime voice actors that uh, have been present ever since Avon Children were kind of just thrown away, essentially. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. A little bit. And he ended up bringing on an entirely new voice cast that I have to admit is incredibly, incredibly so good. So good. So good. The, every voice actor in that cast is just nailing it. Exactly. There's only one voice actor who I think doesn't do quite as good as the job as the original, and that's uh-huh. the that's Hojo's voice actor. But to mm. be fair, man, that was a crisis core. Hojo is good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but two people I want to like shout out in particular are Brianna White, who is the voice of Aerith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, f- amazing, amazing, just perfectly embodies that character. Yes, uh, it was really fun watching her do a let's play of the of the entire mm-hmm. game and seeing yeah. her react to like to her own voice acting the first time and all the different story beats that are going on. Mm-hmm. Excellent playthrough. I highly recommend watching it. But. Uh, and the other is uh, John Eric Bentley, who did the voice of Barrett. Yes. How do you voice act a parody of Mr. T? Yes, sort of double down, but at the same time, also just give it a much higher emotional resonance that mm-hmm. uh, it turns out works incredibly, incredibly works well. Works really well. And once again, there's just a ton of people in here who just all do absolutely great jobs. But I just want to highlight those two because, man, yep. man totally they knock agree. it on park. Absolutely. The second thing is, and this is going to pain me, Alex, I have to say nice things about Kazushika Nojima. (laughs) Yeah. So Nojima has been instrumental in a lot of the best writing that Square's ever done. He's with the lead Mm -hmm. writer of Final Fantasy VII. He's the lead writer of Final Fantasy X. Yep. He's also known for being somebody that if you don't have an editor, he goes a little insane. Uh huh. See, um, everything involved with the compilation, novels, and Final Fantasy X to a nod. Yep. So he was brought back to lead the writer here. Uh, he's not the only writer. There's a, there's a few others as well. Um, but he, as what he talked about, how he wanted to write Cr- Cloud, he said, "Well, you know, Cloud is always depicted as this really cool guy, but I think it might be better to depict him as a tryhard who's a dork." And that, this is a little bit of a paraphrasing of what he said. Uh-huh. But that's essentially what his approach to writing Cloud was, which is like, you finally get it. You yeah. get it. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Nailed it. Mm-hmm. And he absolutely nails it. Oh, so good. Cloud just has so many like little subtle lines and quips that are just like, you 
fucking dork. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh. So, he does a very good job there. Uh, mm. Some of the bigger twists are a little bit, eh. But, yeah. you know, once again, I know why they did it, and I'm intrigued why they did it. Right. For reasons we'll get into. Yeah. The f- and if we're saying nice things about our sworn enemies, I've got to give a nod to uh, Motomu Toriyama. Mm-hmm same director of Final Fantasy 10, 2, and 13, mm-hmm. um, who was involved in this game. I don't have specifics about which, which parts he worked on, yeah. but he didn't mess it up, is all I'll say. Like, the, the things that he did touch, he actually kind of nailed it. Yeah, he was one of the directors alongside Nomura. Um, and this game takes a lot of influence from Final Fantasy 13 as far as his battle system is concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it yeah no it works the battle system in this game is great but like the good parts of that battle system and not the boring parts yes exactly exactly the whole idea of staggering enemies which uh, works incredibly well here but sometimes was a little bit of an issue at 13 yeah yeah but yeah this uh, one last shout out i do have to give is that once again all throughout this game the music is some of the oh, best square has so ever done good it's so good and not just like the remixes and stuff that they've done in this game Mm -hmm. but even like the new music they put in there like the wall market music Uh is incredibly incredibly good uh uematsu came back once again to help with composition but he really only contributed one track Mm -hmm. Uh, rather lead composition was done by two people uh masashi hamazu oh boy i'm going to mispronounce this masashi hamazu and mitsudo suzuki uh, mm. Hamazu seems to be the person who is like the lead on this out of the two, but they both contributed pretty heavy to this. And uh-huh. man, yeah. Hamazu was the lead was the lead composer of Final Fantasy Thirteen. <laughs> okay, yeah, which is that's the the one good thing about Final Fantasy Thirteen is the music is great. Yeah, and boy does it show here. Mm-hmm. Like the second you do go on the bombing mission and that music pops in and you're like. It's it's so high impact. It is so good. It's so good. Oh, but yeah, this game does so many things so correctly. And we're going to go and probably talk a little bit more about like what individual things that they do very well in here as we mm. go into the story. But I, I think that's what we need to do. I think we just need to talk, start talking about the story of this game because boy, is it good. Yeah. So Final Fantasy VII Remake starts out ostensibly as a just a solid remake. And how this opens up is that you see like an, an eagle flying over the sky towards the city of Midgar. Fly in the, flies in there, you see the upper city and all the cool stuff that's going on there. Kids are playing. Mm-hmm. Flowers are dying because the energy is being sucked out of the ground underneath them. The life force. And you end up going into the Undercity. You see the logo of Final Fantasy VII Remake. And of course, you see the train pull into the station. Um... In a really, really good scene where they actually have uh-huh. a, like a pre-rendered cutscene flow seamlessly into action in a way that yeah. actually kind of gets broken in um, the PS5 version. Oh, oh darn. <laughs> yeah, because it's all 30 FPS and it's and you right, play 60, right. so it's like, ah, I see the seams now. <laughs> so yeah, Biggs, um, Biggs and Wedge, members of Avalanche, hop, hop out, knock out the soldiers. Barry comes on out, signals Cloud to come down, just like in the original. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you go on the bombing mission. 
So I do want to take a minute just to sort of highlight that intro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's, it, it, it highlights an interesting challenge that this game in particular has, mm-hmm. which is the, the Midgar section of the original game is basically just the opening act to Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. But it's an entire game here. And so while it is foreshadowing and leading up to everything else that's going to happen, Remake has to sort of encapsulate an entire game within that area. Mm -hmm. And so, like, a lot of people talk about the original FF7 intro is you see this, like, sea of stars sort of rotating around, and then it fades in on Aerith and the live stream. And that sort of highlights the like the cosmos and the the stars beyond because Genova is a traveler from the stars who comes down to wreak havoc. Yeah, and it, it is the sort of cosmic horror aspect. Mm-hmm. But a lot of that theme kind of comes after this game's going to end, mm-hmm. so it can't itself lean remake can't lean that heavily into it. It has to sort of encapsulate its own themes. And so particularly the the planet and the life stream and sort of Avalanche's fight against Shinra becomes much more central to everything that it is sort of talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah, they have to kind of fit all those in there into this into a, a section of the game that essentially was at most three to four hours. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And I think for the most part to do a good job of that. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Which I guess I should point out that, yes, you also do see Aerith and uh, and all that before they hop off the train. And right. there is one little change that she seems to be being attacked by invisible ghost. She's like, uh, yeah, which is that's a little strange. But then she gets over it. I'm sure that's not going to be important. <laughs> Anyways, almost immediately, we start to get like a lot more character conversation between like Jesse, Biggs and Cloud and mm-hmm. Wedges there as well. Uh, <laughs> and like. Almost immediately, they're doing such a better job of, like, establishing who these characters are and why you should mm-hmm. care about them. Like, Biggs is ostensibly, like, the second-in-command under Barrett. Like, just right. cool, calm, and collected. Uh, used to come from an orphanage and is trying to fight for their future. Uh, but sometimes worries a little bit too much about things and, like, you know, think tries to think of every possibility. Mm-hmm. Jesse's the bomb maker. She's an an actress from Gold Saucer who, after her father got sick with Mako poisoning, joined Avalanche, and kind of like just plays around with men a little bit. Like, a little bit. She immediately has the hots for Cloud, but it's mostly because she kind of sees immediately through Cloud's bullshit, uh-huh. and is like, "Well, he's kind of hot, and he's he's kind of he's kind of cute how he acts. I'm I'm just gonna yeah, kind of push him by hitting on him. I could I could see what I could do with this. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna mess with him a little bit." And then mm. Wedge just ap- Wedge loves Cloud for the exact opposite reason. He just thinks he's the coolest. Wedge is Wedge is so great in this game. Wedge is so great. He's, he's just the best. He's just a dude who loves his friends, loves to mm-hmm. eat food, and loves his cats. He loves his cats. Muggum's Biggie, and I forget what the last one is called. <laughs> oh, it's so good. So yeah, like Cloud immediately is like, "No, nah, this is this is the only job I'm going to do. I'm not going to hang out with any of you ever again." And like mm-hmm. Bear, like immediately is like, yeah, whatever. I hate you. Just go and just do this mission. <laughs> so like, they go into the reactor. Like Bear immediately is like, okay, you've, you're a soldier. You know how these reactors are built, right? And like Cloud immediately is like, uh, because anybody who's ever played Final Fantasy VII knows 
Cloud's mm-hmm. not actually a soldier. Not, not a soldier. Not at all. Mm-hmm. But like he immediately just like has like almost like a a brain aneurysm, like just like a splitting headache. Uh, just like he does in the original game, just immediately mm-hmm. comes up with the excuse like, hey, each reactor is different, but uh, I bet you if we keep going, we'll find where we need to find. <laughs> so they immediately get down to um, the reactor. They set the bomb on there. They get attacked by the big old guard scorpion in a fight that is just so cool. It's so cool. Oh, all the boss fights in this game are so good. You know, immediately start to they immediately start to escape and whatnot. Um and as they leave and the bomb's about to explode, we cut back to where the bomb is in the reactor. And it explodes, and it just it's a small little explosion disables the reactor. Mm-hmm. And then the first change in the writing that I really do not like mm-hmm. happens right here. It turns mm-hmm. out Shinra's been watching the entire time, and they're going to use this as a false flag. <laughs> Machines come to life. They immediately blow up the entire reactor, causing the reactor just to explode. Showering, I believe, Sector 8 with debris, killing a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Which uh, the team discovers when they bust out of the reactor and see, the, like, the burning city streets. And, like, Jesse's immediately like, oh, Shit. oh, no. Uh-oh. Yeah, she's immediately distraught. She's like, I caused all this. Mm-hmm. And, like, they're never going to find out this was a false flag. Right. And also, I don't know why they made this change. I guess they wanted to make it more sympathetic. Because like it is, it is hard to write eco terrorists who are it, kind of intentionally is, killing people. But yeah, it's hard. So my feeling about this change is it doesn't ultimately matter yeah. that much. Like it, I agree, I don't necessarily know why it's in here because it doesn't really change anything. Because mm-hmm. to me, the important parts of it are okay. Shinra did this because they have no morals; they're completely unscrupulous. Yeah. And they did this to further their goals, which is like, okay, yeah, I knew that. We're going to see that in other elements. And Avalanche never discovers that, like, they weren't responsible for this level of destruction. Mm -hmm. And their reaction to it is kind of the same as it was in the original game, which is, well, that sucks, but this is a necessary evil. Like, we have to do this. We have to keep going. And so it's like, Okay, at least they kept the part where they're still willing to make the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And that makes them a little bit dubious. But, like, like the details of it don't ultimately matter one way or the other. Yeah, it doesn't. It's one of those things where it's like, I, I have a minor quibble with it. But right. you're completely right. By making sure that they don't ever actually find out about it, and they still have to wrestle with the idea that they may have killed a bunch of people for their ideals... Right. Uh, still worse. Because, yeah, you get to see everyone's different reactions. Jesse is pretty distraught about it. Biggs is a little upset, but he's like, well, I gotta do what you gotta do. And Baird's still right. like gung-ho, like, nope. We're just gonna mm-hmm. travel forward. It's gonna just help the people wake up. Yep. And then Wedge is, I don't know, he's thinking about cats. Yeah, probably. Or food. Yeah, one or the other. So, they move through the shock crowd. They're trying to get, like, to the station to leave. And then, and they all separate. So, Cloud's by himself. And he happens to just hallucinate his hometown as it's burning <laughs> down. He's like, oh, that's kind of weird. And then he looks over and he sees Sephiroth, the main villain of Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> and Cloud is like, what the hell? And like, Sephiroth's like, oh, it's good to see you again, Cloud. How's it going? Boy, it's really nice to see you. And Cloud's like, you can't, you have to be dead. It's like, oh, 
believe me, I know. <laughs> Anyways, you need to stay alive, Cloud. Just remember to stay alive. And he just disappears along with all the flames. And Cloud's like, that must have been the Mako. Uh-huh. So this is another sequence that was very is very controversial. There are some people who are like, mm -hmm. hey, Sephiroth's not supposed to show up here. Right. In fact, theoretically, Sephiroth's not supposed to show up at all during this game. And the developers did recognize this, and they said, well, the whole point in the first game was this was supposed to be like this Jaws-like sort of reveal. Uh -huh. Like, you knew that there was something bad underneath the waters, but you didn't know what it was. But that's also already happened now, and you can't really right. replicate that. Right. So they're like, we might as well just throw them out there. It's kind of like the Half-Life 2, hey, the first thing you see is a crate. You know, mm -hmm. you, you sort of have to do that. Right. So I, yeah, I, I, I think they could not go the entire game and just be like, oh, where was Sephiroth? Ooh. Ooh, yes. Yeah, where, where's, our, where's our boy? Where's our silver-haired boy? Yeah, so I, I, I personally am fine with it, but there was a lot of people who are not, so I figured mm -hmm. I acknowledged it. So Cloud eventually, you know, Ends up getting caught by a bunch of Shinner soldiers, has to fight his way through. One of the soldiers actually recognizes him, is like, hey, wait, aren't you? And then Cloud's right. like, ah, jumps on the <laughs> Yeah, jumps on the train, gets away, meets up with the rest of Avalanche, and they make their way back to sec Sector 7. I do like that they like have more acknowledgement of Cloud's like history with Shinra. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Because in, in the original, it was like almost no one even like cared or knew that cloud was ex shinra yeah like baroness crew were surprisingly cool with, like having ex soldier with them whereas on the bombing mission right. they, they were like do we need to stab this guy in the back <laughs> but like yeah like a bunch of random soldiers and like later when we meet the turks are also going to be like you actually yeah actually a soldier mm. yeah mm. yeah it's it's good it's good that they do that right but it it also even if they're like playing up the twist and like they can still allude to it while being like, Oh, well, of course people recognize cloud. He was a soldier. Soldiers are a big deal. Mm -hmm. Like it would be weird for a Shinra security officer not to recognize a soldier former or otherwise. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. So there's still plausible deniability that's going on with that. Right. So they get back to the sector seven slums and like, that's when you go back to this, the bar, 7th Heaven, meet up with uh, Tifa. Uh, we, we see Dad Barrett in full force as he meets up with oh, his daughter Marlene. And, oh, oh so good. He's such a good dad. He's a, he's a bad dad, but he's such a good dad. So, like, he's like, you know, like, oh, yeah, I'll tell you a story, sweetie. Oh, oh you want two stories? Okay. <laughs> Gets so mad at Cloud for accidentally scaring Marlene. <laughs> and then... You know, Cloud and Tifa sit down and basically have like a heart to heart and like, like, hey, you know, how's it been going? Like, how was the mission? Bear treat you well? Oh, that's good to hear. You know, if we don't have the money for you. We're going to get it free in the morning. Hey, I got an apartment for you. You should go hang out there. Like you meet up with some new characters such as like Marl, the land landlady and like mm -hmm. Weimer, the head of like the neighborhood watch. Like new characters that are completely original to the story, but end up helping the sheep out Sector 7 an awful lot. A yeah. screen that was literally just three buildings in the original game, but now feels mm -hmm. like an actual undercity that's full of life and people worrying about things and whatnot. And like, oh, you also meet your, our, my favorite character, Shinra Middle Manager. 
<laughs> oh, he's so great. Putting just like generic, slightly Japanese man in suit mm-hmm. next to Barrett, eight foot <laughs> hulking man with gun arm <laughs> is just the best. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. I love middle manager so much. Now middle he, manager is so great. He is constantly scared of Barrett and he also shows up throughout the game doing various yeah. things and it's wonderful. It's awesome. <laughs> so yeah, like um, the next morning, like Cloud wakes up and is like, ah, man, I really need to get out of here. But then like he ends up like having a dream about him and Tifa and now like he promised he would help Tifa out when he was a kid. Like so he's like, you know what? I'm going to stick around. I'm going to help them out. You know, it just that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a good guy. Mm-hmm. and so you know he's like as part of being a mercenary he goes around and, like helps out everybody and um like he hears about there's going to be another bombing mission so he, he goes with tifa to get the rest of the money from barrett they go and have a big meeting to set up the the next reactor bombing at the at uh, mock reactor five and here's another big change like barrett comes up and says all right here's your money we're not going to need your services anymore you can go do whatever see you later <laughs> which Claus like sounds good to me so I love that. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I love that Barrett's like, all right, here's your money, Merc. Get out. Yep. And Cloud's like, cool. Thanks for the money. I'm out. Yeah. It's like, no problem. Another's job done. <laughs> it's, it's such a great, like, standoff antagonistic relationship. Mm-hmm. They do a really good job of emphasizing that Barrett and Cloud hate each other. Uh-huh. <laughs> they do not like each other. Nope. Which makes it all the more satisfying as Barrett warms up to him over the course of the game. Right. And yeah, so instead of just immediately going off the mission, Cloud's like, I guess I'll just kind of go leave and just do other things. But at night, like Jesse shows up and is like, hey, can you go and just help me out? Um, I'm going to go up to the upper city. I got to kind of handle things. Like, I got to figure out why my bomb killed all those people. Mm-hmm. I want to make a bomb that's better and not going to kill people. And so... Jesse, like, like Biggs and Wedge hear about this and, like, you know, bring motorcycles alongside, and they all ride all the way up to the top of the plates. They run into a second-class soldier by the name of Roche, and, oh, Roche is so good. I love Roche. He's such an idiot tool. He is. He um, is a complete filler character. He totally is, and my apologies, he's the soldier third class. Oh, oh, third class. Yeah, and so Roche is great because they established that, uh, Soldiers are all incredibly, incredibly weird. Uh-huh. Like, absolute weirdos. And Roche is just, like, super creep. He is horny about two things. His motorcycle and Cloud. Mm-hmm. Specifically fighting Cloud. Because, right. like, like Cloud is, like, having to fight off a bunch of, like, Shinra security officers who are trying to pursue them. And, like, Roche just shows up. And, like, he immediately, like, does, like, a bunch of bike trips, all uh, yelling and whatnot. Like, landing on other Shinra troops and, like, knocking them off and, like... Being like, we gotta have to have a motorcycle duel. We're gonna have a motorcycle duel. Let's have a motorcycle duel. And they have a cool motorcycle duel. And then, like, eventually get away from them. It's also kind of fun because it establishes that, like, soldiers still around. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the first game, it might as well have ended when Sephiroth went crazy. Yeah. Like, you like were... as far as you can tell, Sephiroth went rogue, Zach died, and that was the end of Soldier. It seems like it, because, yeah, you technically run into, like, generic enemies that are going to be, like, Soldier Third Class and later Soldier First Classes, but, like, mm. as far as, like, named Soldier characters, yeah. Right. It's, it, there's none. 
which yeah it's really really strange so it's it's good that they like throw in this particular character who is completely yeah. made up for this game and has no real consequences not at all like he's he's in and out of this game surprisingly quickly yep uh, which was not the original plan actually he was going to be present throughout the game but he got cut for time yeah fair enough i think he's better for it i i think he is too i think there's a right amount of gross in this so they get on top of the Sector 7 plate and um, go into the residential district where basically Shinra's employees all live. And you see this kind of like, you know, nice little town that looks like just like a nice little suburb. Like Jesse and the rest of the Avalanche gang go and like talk with uh, Jesse's mom, basically to distract him, distract her while Cloud goes in and steals like uh, Jesse's dad's ID, who's like a catatonic mess from getting mm. Mako poisoning. And like... After that, like, you know, Cloud has, like, a nice heart-to-heart with, like, Biggs and whatnot. Biggs is, like, straight up, like, yeah, Jesse, she used to have it all. She was going to be, like, you know, a cool actress, but then her dad got poisoning. She got into planetology. Like, Biggs straight up's like, uh, you probably mm-hmm. don't actually care about this. I'm going to actually stop talking now. But Cloud's like, no, nah, I, I want to know. Let me know. Mm-hmm. Tell me about this. Like, Cloud's starting to warm up to them. Yeah. And, and like, even, like, Wedge is, like, trying to give, like, Cloud, like, lady advice is like listen don't fall for bullshit (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like she does this don't don't feel special yeah which cloud's like believe me man i don't want anything to do with her (laughs) (laughs) so they have to go and break into a shinra facility more specifically like jesse has to break in and then like the rest of the team has to distract shinra which is exactly what they do like rose shows Mm -hmm. up again there's another big fight um and things are actually looking really, really dire. Like, Wedge gets wounded. They're surrounded by soldiers. And then all of a sudden, like, like main avalanche shows up. Like, the main organization. Complete with guns and everything. Just, like, <laughs> assault the place. And allow, like, um, the Splinter Cell to get away. Uh, so we, this is where we learn that, oh, it turns out that Barrett's cell of avalanche mm-hmm. is not in main contact with avalanche. Because the main con- main avalanche looked at these people and were like, you people are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you want to bomb set? We don't- we're not cool with that. We're not cool with that. We just- this might be my favorite addition in the game, or at least absolutely my favorite around Barrett and his crew. Mm-hmm. It's very good because, yeah, they do a really good job of establishing that, oh, no, they're actually really extreme and radical. Mm-hmm. Which totally is in line with Barrett's philosophy and how he speaks about Shinra soldiers and their in like Shinra civilians and their like complicity in yeah. in, in what they're doing to the planet and whatnot. Like in the reaction to the bombing and everything, it's like one hundred percent of like, oh yeah, no, I yeah, I could totally get why the rest of Avalanche is like, ah, maybe we need to not talk with these people anymore. <laughs> but yeah, really, really good. And like they end up like breaking out, um, they, right. But at the same time, it creates this interesting, like, political dynamic where they don't deal with Barrett. Like, they don't kill him or turn him in or anything. They don't even stop him from calling himself Avalanche. Mm -hmm. So they're like, okay, we're not going to associate with him, but uh, if he gives Shinra a black eye or two here or there, we're not going to, you know, not going to complain. It really reminds me of the Russian Revolution in a way uh-huh. where certain groups were like trying to work from within and they were like, well, we're not we're not associated with the crazy people throwing bombs and killing, you know, Sarist. Right. But at the same time, 
you know. You know, they show up and they need a place to hide for a second. Nah, we're cool. We'll help mm-hmm. them out. <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's kind of a similar situation here. So they like have to like literally like base jump off of like the top of the top of the plate to get back to the Sector 7 slums. Uh, this is when we end up meeting Wedge's cats. Biggums, <laughs> tickums, I think it's Biggums, Tickums, and Smalls, I think is their name. It sounds right, yeah. Which is great. Todd, by the way, does not like cats. No. And cats don't like him, it Mm -hmm. seems like. (laughs) There is a good side mission. We have to find three cats for a little girl, and all the cats run away, and eventually Cloud's like, man, for this. This sucks. Yeah. Literally just says, this sucks. Goes back to girls like, I'm not going to find your cats. And then the cats show up. She's like, you found my cats. He's like, whatever, I'm just leaving. Just, uh... (laughs) So, yeah, um... I was like, well, that's kind of cool. Anyways, um, I'm going to go to sleep now. And I have to I now have to backtrack because I actually skipped over a slight part. That's I, I was going to I was wondering about that, but I figured it wasn't important at the time. It, it honestly kind of works that I missed it because we can now mm. tie it into this entire thing. So right after the bombing, the first bombing and whatnot, Cloud's like going through the city streets and whatnot. He ends up running into Aerith, the fire girl, just like in the original game. Uh-huh. And she seems like she's, like, being attacked by something invisible. And Cloud's like, well, that's really strange. But I think crazy. Yeah. But at the same time, he also has a splitting headache, and he sees Sephiroth again standing next to Aerith. And he's like, well, you can't save her. You can't save anyone, <laughs> Cloud. Doesn't that suck? I love that throughout this game, Sephiroth is like, I'm a killer. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, no, she's she going to die. I'm going to do it. Yeah. And I know you're going to hate it. And so, oh, it's such a good villain buildup. It's such a good villain buildup. It's the first time in a while they've done anything good with Sephiroth. It really is. <laughs> so, like, Cloud has a splitting headache, and eventually Aerith walks over. He's like, hey, you doing okay? He's like, oh, hi, yeah, no, I'm fine. She's like, here, have a flower. He's like, oh, okay, sure, whatever. And then she, like, starts getting, like, attacked by something invisible again. He's like, okay, whatever. And, like, he touches her, and all of a sudden he now sees ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> These black hooded figures who are just flying around and are like able to push him around and stuff. He's not able to attack him or anything. He's like, I, this is what? Mm. And eventually Shin results will show up. And she's like, I'm out. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> so Cloud goes back and goes to sleep. Um, back to the present now, back in Sector 7. Mm. Cloud goes to sleep and whatnot. He's thinking about his next move, where he's going to go. And he's immediately woken up by Tifa. Tifa's like, a cloud does ghost for some reason. The <laughs> <laughs> cloud's like, what? Okay, cool. So they have to fight through a bunch of ghosts. And like, they're trying to get to seventh heaven because like Barrett and Jesse are trying to fight off ghosts. But every time they try to take a direct route there, the ghosts show up to block them. And like, okay, well, find another route. And they'll get blocked by ghosts again. This keeps happening, keeps happening until one of the ghosts managed to injure Jesse and like basically twist her ankle. And then after that, the ghosts just go away. And it's like, oh, well, that's kind of weird. And like Barrett's like, well, I guess we're down team member. Uh, hey, Cloud, uh, you wanna be hired again? <laughs> so now we're back on track. Mm-hmm. And so this is where I guess we need to talk about who these things are. Yeah. So this is the other really controversial part of the game. These are the Whispered. The Whispered are plot ghosts. Literally plot ghosts made by the planet. Uh Uh-huh. And their whole thing is they're very lazy. So 
How plot ghosts work is that, to give you an example, I could have been a physical therapist, but I ended up becoming a nurse. Mm. Now, what if, though, maybe time gets reset, we relive our events in our life again, and when that pivotal decision happens, oh, you know, I have an opportunity to become a physical therapist. Plot ghosts would show up and be like, no, 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 that's not what you're supposed to do. And then plot ghosts would like, I don't know, crash my car or something. <laughs> causing me to be like, nah, damn, I guess I should be a nurse instead. Now, plot ghosts will do that. But if like that morning I was supposed to have pancakes, but I had waffles instead, plot ghosts don't care about that. Right. They're like, uh, just let him have his dumb waffles. Who cares? They're right. kind of lazy about that. <laughs> They're about the big picture. Yeah. And keeping... Well, so that's, yeah. So I guess to to talk about our feelings about the plot ghosts, I think they're very poorly and inconsistently designed. Mm -hmm. um, because it's, I like, it's very arbitrary what is the big picture. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, what they decide is important and what's not important is kind of strange. And also, it turns out things that are important, sometimes they can't actually alter. <laughs> they have to try right. multiple times, Final Destination style, <laughs> which is hilarious. Yeah. The, the other issue I have with them is it's never established why something would be inconsistent with the desired timeline, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Like, it, it's just sort of, I guess, not even established, but implied that in the course of, I guess, this game, things might happen differently, but the plot ghosts will make sure that they don't. Mm hmm. Yeah, they just really seem interested in keeping things roughly online with a few certain people and nobody else. Right. They don't care what Weimer does. Weimer can live and die for all they care. <laughs> but Cloud? Cloud needs to be doing things slightly specifically. Yes. Only, and at times, only slightly. Yeah, I, I think what the plot ghosts ultimately represent and what ultimately happens at the end of the game with them, I think right. opens up the entire series to something very interesting that we'll get to. But yeah, mm -hmm. the overall implementation is uh, lackluster at best. Right. So all that happens, though, and everyone's like, it's really great because everyone's like, wow, that was weird. There were ghosts and nobody else saw them. Well, let's not talk about it anymore. Cloud, let's go. Yeah, that's that's the other problem is that the way they work, which is like they just sort of show up and push people around until things happen the way they want, mm -hmm. is like that's really inelegant and creates like this just sort of weird situation of, wow, we just got sworn by like 500 ghosts. Anyway, let's go blow up a reactor. Yeah, they're so nonchalant about it in a way that is so hilarious. But, like, they never established that, oh, they make you forget that this happened mm -hmm. or anything. Like, they're just, you just stop caring. Yeah. I, that's, that's the thing, though. Sometimes you do stop remembering. Right. And yeah. Then sometimes you do because ghosts will show up and people will be like, oh, the ghosts are back. And then sometimes they'll be <laughs> like, wait, what ghost? Like, yeah, it's so inconsistent. Yeah. So you go and do the whole um, bombing of Reactor 5, which happens more or less similarly to how it happened in the original game so i won't belabor mm. to point too much i will just point out though that there is one change and it's the introduction of shinra's mascots yeah and his incredible song oh my god his song is so good alex so good 
Oh, it's 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 a so stamp is war propaganda. Uh huh. So in in this universe, you know, uh, Shinra, the corporation is that war of the country of Wutai, the Japan stand in, and uh, in this they don't actually outright beat Wutai. They're at a ceasefire where Wutai is on like the ropes essentially. Right. And one of the things that they're doing in order to help stir up you know, public sentiment and whatnot is this cartoon dog by the name of Stamp, a little beagle who wears an army helmet, who <laughs> apparently, according to the song, is terrible at his job. Uh, he constantly gets distracted by bones and treats, but uh, he still has a pure heart anyways. Integrate I mean, has a... Okay. Yeah, that's that's a dog. That's a dog. Integrate has a really good scene where um, basically there's a bunch of kids being told a story about Stamp. Mm-hmm. That is essentially Stamp, once again, being kind of terrible at his job, but a cute <laughs> dog anyways. It's so good. It's so good. Stamp makes me want to root for Shinra. Yeah. He's very effective corporate propaganda, and I'm just going yeah. to say that now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, so that all happens. Um, and once again, there's a re- one thing I really need to emphasize, there's a really big attention to detail in Final Fantasy VII Remake of like mm-hmm. bringing back old things that happened in the original game, but updating them and expanding upon them in interesting ways. And even things right. that you wouldn't expect. Like you could run the wrong way on the rails if you really want to. And yeah, weird things will happen if you do that, just <laughs> like the original game. Mm. Or like the upcoming boss fight with the Airbuster um, is just absolutely over the top and like crazy in a way that's super duper cool yeah um i really like they expanded on what was essentially one screen in the original called the sun lamp room Mm -hmm. which is where they're like oh yeah we fill the underside of the plate with sun lamps to simulate sunlight since Mm -hmm. they essentially mask the undercity in darkness all the time Mm -hmm. um only it one doesn't make sense because it seems like they only turn them on at night Mm mm-hmm which is when the sun should be down. And two, also, they don't seem to work that well as far as, like, I don't know, preventing perpetual seasonal effectiveness disorder. <laughs> yeah, everyone's still Like, they inc- seem kind of shitty. Everyone's incredibly depressed, and, like, it's so dilapidated up there. Like, Shinra clearly does not care and doesn't take care of it. Right. Because, like, we have to shut down the lamps just to open a door, and everyone's like... Oh, yeah. Every- yeah, your entire party's like, that's stupid why it's like oh yeah because they put this technology in place like decades ago and then stopped caring also it's clearly not being maintained because the whole area is filled with man-eating spiders yeah and there's like two dudes with flamethrowers who are like this job sucks man it's just (laughs) do it once over let's get out of here (laughs) yeah it's so good it's so good we also learned about Baird's uh fear of heights from this which is really oh yeah so yeah um you go through this, you end up um, finding out that this is a huge trap by Shinra. Like, Heidegger, the pub- head of public security, a tall mountain of a man mm. with a scar who is all about getting results. He doesn't care if weapons don't work, just send them out there. If they explode and kill <laughs> the enemy, that still works, right? <laughs> like, there's a lot of soldiers come like, hey man, the Airbus is not going to work. It's like, I don't care, make it work. <laughs> Anyways, he immediately taunts him and is like, yeah, you're all about to die, and you're all on camera, by the way, and everyone knows who you are. We're going to blame this all on you, idiots. Anyways, so they end up escaping. They, like, sabotage the Airbuster along the way and, like, get into a big, giant, old fight. Um, but not before President Shinra all himself also shows up via hologram and be like, oh, hey, you're Avalanche. Oh, you're a soldier? Oh, man. Hope you like the fact that you're only going to be living for, like, a year or so. <laughs> 
because <laughs> uh, all soldiers undergo cellular de- degradation, bringing back that old chestnut from Crisis Core. Mm. Uh, and Cloud's like, yeah, yeah, I know. Tifa's like, oh man, I'm really sad about this, but we're not going to talk about it for the rest of the game. Yeah, it was for a very brief moment. It was like one of Tifa's better character moments because she was like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. And then it just goes away. Yeah. Yeah, it's never really expanded upon past that. Maybe it will be, but yeah, they just Hopefully sort of throw that be, in there. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like it'd be a lot more major. But yeah, so the big whole fight at the Airbuster happens, the bridge explodes, Cloud hangs on for dear life, and then falls into the undercity. And then Cloud, of course, has this crazy dream where he's talking to himself about how he mm-hmm. needs to stand back up and fight, and it one of himself turns into Sephiroth, and he freaks out and wakes up. Only to see the flower girl, Aerith, who's like, Oh hey, how's it going? you fell through my roof landed on these flowers kind of saw that coming yep and and like clouds immediately like oh uh hey how's it going um i, I need to get back to sector seven can you help me with that she's like oh yeah yeah no i could i could show you the way just uh you know yeah give me a second it's like oh no i'll just go off on my own she's like oh well geez oh, man really wish i could have a bodyguard gonna have to tend these flowers all alone by <laughs> myself and cloud's like oh, okay all right I, I can stick around for longer it's like oh really great that's awesome i appreciate it cloud which she doesn't mention Cloud doesn't tell her name mm-hmm. which um should be maybe your first indication that maybe she knows a few things uh-huh and like Almost immediately after that, good old Reno of the Turks busts in. Uh, He's like, I'm just going to let myself in. Like, ah, who's this guy? And Eric's like, oh, he's my bodyguard. And Cloud's like, yeah, I'm an ex-soldier. He's like, Reno's like, oh, that's intriguing. Yeah, you got the eyes. And yeah, you definitely act weird like one. What's your class? <laughs> and Cloud's like, oh, I'm first class. Reno's like, you idiot. No, you're not. <laughs> I, would, I would know who you are. Yeah. <laughs> But hey, you know, why not? Let's get into a big old fight. And yeah, I love Reno so much in this game. Oh, he's his, so good. His voice actor is killing it. His the remix of his theme is so rad. Oh, it's so good. And like he starts off by sending like generous soldiers after you, and you like you beat him mm. up. He's like, ah, good old what's his name? Barely knew him. <laughs> uh, and he gets down and just immediately starts fighting you. He's like, you know, I hate cleaning up messes, but I'm damn good at it. He's like, mmm. Mm, mm, so good. That's a perfect line for Reno. It's like, man, you fucking making me work. It's a good <laughs> thing I'm good at my job, man. Mm-hmm. And like during the fight too, he's like talking about, I was like, oh, you're her bodyguard. I thought I was her bodyguard. It was like <laughs> first time I've heard of that. <laughs> like they do a good job even in the fight of establishing that. Oh yeah, no, the Turks and Aerith are very familiar with each other. Yeah. But yeah, ends up um, Reno ends up getting killed, completely messed up by Cloud as mm. is the hierarchy of Turk versus soldier. Yep. And like Cloud's straight up about to kill him. Yeah, he's just going to be like, okay, you're done. Yeah. And Eric's like, no, 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 you can't, please don't do that. And then the ghosts <laughs> show up and then carry them away. Because <laughs> the ghosts are like, no, he needs to live too. Yeah, he's important, I guess. Mm. We like him. Yeah, we like him. He's a cool guy. Can't wait to meet his partner. <laughs> and like the soldiers and like Reno are just like looking at Cloud and Aerith just float through the door and they're like, oh, that's okay. Not going to question it any further. Not going to question any further. So like Aerith and Cloud like start to escape to the back of the church. Like Aerith like ends up falling down just like in the original game. Mm. And like is immediately 
like Reno and the rest of them are immediately on top of them. So like mission accomplished, right? Nope. Ghosts show up. They're like, <laughs> hey, how's it going? We're here. There's like a there's like a lot of funny sequences here. Where like the soldiers like, hey, if you move, I'm going to shoot you. And like Reno's like, no, we're supposed to bring her in. Sh shut up. <laughs> Don't do that. Shut up. <laughs> and like the soldiers are trying to get the Aerith they're like there's something in the way we're not sure what it is <laughs> it's just there's like a ghost barrier I don't know so eventually like Cloud rescues Aerith and they escape through the back of the church and Rito's like uh, whatever I'm just gonna leave my partner to handle this I don't, mm -hmm. I, don't I don't care about this <laughs> and like Aerith is like yeah man those ghosts they're weird huh it's like they're just everywhere boy it feels like stuff like this has happened before and Cloud's like hey you you know something you're not telling me? And Eris like, um, mm -hmm. let's keep going. <laughs> <laughs> you, you need you need to get back to Sector Seven. I can help. I can help you with that. Let's go. Let's hop along these rooftops. Mm -hmm. Which is immediately what they start doing in a, a sequence that is literally just walking and talking. One of the worst tropes in video games, and it's, it's done so, so well here. It's so good because it's a lot of like cloud being like man why are the turks after you and there's like i don't know i heard these scout soldiers maybe they think i could be the best soldier there is <laughs> and it's like falls behind cloud's like oh, i thought you're uh thought you're gonna be the best soldier she's like so petty <laughs> there's a really good sequence she's like climbing up a ladder and like cloud's offering to help her up she's like oh please i'm not a princess needs to be taken care of and the ladder starts to break she just goes shit <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's so nice to see Aerith's character finally written well again. It is! It is! It's so nice. And once again, the voice acting is so good. Uh, so good. Her voice acting up until this point has always been so flat. Mm-hmm. But here, it is knocked out of the park. And yeah, she takes him back to Sector 5. Um, you know, you meet all the deadens of Sector 5 and whatnot. You go back and see Elmira. Uh, Eris' mom, who's like, oh, you brought home another guy. Hmm. Another mm, soldier. Hey! Another soldier. Why don't you go into town and help people out, Aerith and the soldier person, while I make dinner and think of a way to get rid of him. <laughs> so they go all do that, and they end up running into Rude, um, Reno's partner in the Turks. You know, still looking great. Still looking great with that bald head and sunglasses. Mm -hmm into a big old giant fight that once again is a really good indication of like how Turks and Aerith like interact. Uh -huh. Although in this case, it's not like dialogue. It's like how like, because like Aerith fights alongside you. It's like how rude actually will fight Aerith. Right. Like there's a move where like go pick up Cloud, like swing him around, just like throw him violently. Whereas with Aerith, he just like grabs her, hits her on the neck a little bit. Uh -huh. Like treats her with kid gloves. It's like the only thing he does to her is just like stun her. Like if stop. Oh, yeah, yeah. All this attacks, if you use her, like, are attacks that stun her. Yeah, it's very intentionally like, hey, listen, he's not trying to hurt her. <laughs> right. But yeah, eventually he ends up getting beaten, and he's like, oh, all right, that's okay. I'm ready for round two. But then he gets a phone call from Reno, who's like, hey, we need for another mission. I'm sending a helicopter to get you. He's like, I, but I, uh, okay, fine. <laughs> and then he just, like, the helicopter just drops a rope ladder. He gets on the rope ladder, does not get in the helicopter, and it just flies <laughs> away. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah. So Cloud goes back to Elmira's house, and, like, um, Elmira's like, oh, Aerith, you're gonna take him to Sector 7? Boy, it's really late, though. You two should stay here for the night and set out for the morning. Mm-hmm. And Aerith's like, okay, I'm gonna go up and go to bed. And Elmira's like, hey, Cloud, real quick before you go up, uh, can you please leave and never come back? 
<laughs> You're a soldier. You traded power. You traded a uh, normal life for power, and I don't want you to hurt my daughter because I know how this went last time. Mm -hmm. So please leave in the middle of the night. And in a very funny sequence where you had to sneak out to after like Aerith, I guess, left out every like <laughs> possible bucket and chair and like you know pots and for you to knock over. Oh, it's it's so not fun. It's that not, section sucks. It sucks, but it's funny. It's funny. You yeah. just walk out and you're just like, what the hell? <laughs> you planned this, didn't you, Aerith? So yeah, Cloud gets out, he leaves Sector 5, starts heading towards Sector 7, and then Arrow just pops out, like, hey, how's it going? Cloud's like, how'd you get... She's like, I know the sector back, like, the back of my hand. Like, uh... Mm -hmm. uh like, okay, lead on. She's like, yay, we're gonna have fun. So they go, like, they have to go through, like, this underground, like, um, collapsed freeway and whatnot. Like, we learned that, like, um, uh, sector, uh, sector 6, uh, like used to have a plate that, like, fell down and, like, collapsed and destroyed everything. Uh, indicating that plate collapses apparently are a normal thing that happens in Midgar. <laughs> <laughs> Which is... Mm, horrifying. Okay. Actually, I think it's Sector 5 where that happened, but point is, right. plate, plates crash! It's bad! Yeah. There's a very cute sequence where Aerith tries to give Cloud a high-five, but he doesn't get it. Oh, that's so good. It's like a running thing through the whole level. It is, and then you get to, like, the end, like, Cloud, like, tries to high-five, and she's, like, not prepared for it, and Cloud's like, meh, meh. Uh -oh. And then you get to the final one, and you have the whole triangle to slowly raise your hand up to give her a <laughs> high-five. It's so good! Their it's interactions so good. through this is so great! Because, once again, like, the whole idea of Cloud is that, like, Cloud with everybody is, he's gruff and trying to seem cool, and then most uh -huh. see through it. With Tifa, he acts actually like himself, and acts like a normal person. Right. And then with Aerith, he's just constantly on the back foot. Mm -hmm. And they do so good throughout this entire section of being like on his back foot. Like one of like one of the first things he does with her is like, oh yeah, you know, I need I'm a very dangerous person and I need I have places I need to be. And she's like, Oh, I'm sure you are. Anyways, would you like mm -hmm. a flower? <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's so good. So good. So they get to um the park outside of the Sector 7 gate and um like, Aerith, like, it's like, hey, let's just kind of hang out and talk for a bit. And, like, you know, they're talking a bit. Like, she's like, yeah, my boyfriend, he disappeared a long time ago. He was a first-class soldier. I was like, oh, I probably knew who he is. Who is he? And, like, the original game, she refuses to tell. Here mm -hmm. she does. But when she says the name Zach, like, it's all blanked out. And, like, Cloud immediately gets a headache mm -hmm. instead. And Aerith interprets that as like, oh, I'm kind of upset you didn't die. Well, hey, you know, let me get you to Sector 7, and uh, I guess this is where we have to part ways. And Klaus like, do you need me to take you back? She's like, no, no, I'm good. Don't worry about it. And like, all kind of sad. Mm -hmm. But then Tifa comes out in uh, wearing a nice dress in a cool cart driven by a chocobo and a cowboy for some reason. <laughs> and Klaus like, oh, shit, what the? What is that? And so he runs over, like, talks to Tifa. He's like, hey, what's going on? She's like, oh, I'm going to Dog Corneo's mansion. Something weird's going on. I got to find out what it is. You go back to Sector 7. Meet me at the bar. He's like, okay, I'll do that. Hops off, starts walking away. Everyone up is like, no, you're going after her. <laughs> it's like, I, I love that so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's I love that Tifa's like, look, I have a plan. I know what I'm doing. You need to do this. And Cloud's like, okay, yeah. got you. Yeah, got you. No problem. And Eric's like, no, you don't. Nope. Nope. Turn around. Go do your thing. 
So they go and help go to help out uh, Aerith and, and Aerith, not Aerith, uh, Tifa and rescue from from Dog Corneo. But unfortunately, the only way they could do that is to become one of the candidates to be her to be his bride. Tifa is one of them, selected by one person, and there's two other people that they have to curry the favor of in order to get in there. And so they decide that okay, that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna break in there, and they find out all this from Dog Corneo's right hand man. A man by the name of Leslie, who's basically Cloud if Cloud had silver hair and wore a hat. <laughs> <laughs> He's from one of the novels. He is, of uh, course he is. He has an entire arc where he basically hates Don Corneo. In fact, everybody at Walmart hates Don Corneo. Yeah, which, I mean, is fair. He's a crime lord and a sleazy pervert, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, rapist and murderer. That's him. Yep. And so... Leslie's Tropsom's like, okay, listen, he Tifa is the candidate from a one Chocobo Sam. And if you want to you want to get in here, you, you need to get the um favor of either Madame N or Andrea Rodea. So go, I guess, and talk to him if you want to. I suggest you don't do that because it will be bad for you. Don't mm-hmm. do this, you idiots. I, I like that he takes one look at Aerith and is like, no, you should turn around and get her out of here. Yeah, he's like, this is going to end bad for her. Yeah, no, she is too pretty. Get her out of here. Yeah. And so you go to meet these three characters, Chocobo Sam, Madam N, and Andrea Rodea, who are the best human traffickers you will ever meet. <laughs> They're great. Yes. Let me emphasize, they are human traffickers. Absolutely. They are completely unscrupulous members of this crime lord city thing. Yeah, this this weird pervert's fetish of getting women, immediately using them and discarding them, presumably to their deaths. They do this constantly, and while they're like, man, he's a bad person, we really hate this, they still do it. Yep. And so, yeah, you go and meet the first one, who's Chocobo Sam, who's a he's a cowboy. <laughs> He's a cowboy. And he's like, he talks like an old-timey cowboy. And he's like, I'm not going to help you out. And like, you go meet at Madame M, who's like a hand massage expert who has like temper. And like, after like fighting in the Coliseum and whatnot, meaning like, like doing successfully at that, Madame M agrees to help Aerith out and like get her a dress mm-hmm. and get her looking nice. And um, like, that all happens, you, like, like go, and you're, like, you're, like, every show's been a dress, and Cloud, like, either is, like, absolutely in awe, or depending on what you do, she's, like, in a very plain dress. <laughs> Where Cloud's, like, well, I guess we tried. <laughs> it's really great if she does have the plain dress, because, like, Eris theme plays, like, no matter what. Mm-hmm. But if you had the plain dress, a kazoo version of it plays. <laughs> which is really good. That's so good. So, like... I was like, there's, I've heard about this Don Corneo guy. I think he's really dangerous. Aerith, there's no way I'm going to let you go in there alone. She's like, no, nah, don't worry. I got it covered. We're going to go meet Andrea Rodea. Because after they fought in the Coliseum, like, Andrea Rodea was like, I want to meet them. Mm. And he is the person who runs a place called the Honey Bee Inn. Which is a place where all your dreams come true. Uh, it's essentially a glorified cabaret that also mm. is kind of caters to your non-sexual fetishes. Um... Such as watching like ladies dressed up in bee costumes make like basic shapes with their stinger, or mm-hmm. chasing them around with giant nets. <laughs> in one case, <laughs> it's it's pretty great. In the original game, it was incredibly incredibly sleazy place by design. It was mm-hmm. basically a brothel more or less. Right. But it's now been cleaned up to a cabaret, and you go in there and you like you immediately meet up with Andrea Rodea, who um like you know just a 
incredibly good looking guy who just like really loves to dance and perform and whatnot. And as part of his uh, agreement, he wants to see how Cloud moves. And you get this incredibly great dance sequence. Oh, it's so good. Where Cloud it's has so a good. dance off and he's very good at it. <laughs> <laughs> and like during the dance off, like Aerith is there as well, just like hyperventilating, going oh, crazy. Oh, she is so into it. She is so into it. It's so great. And at the end, like after it, like Andre Rodeo is like, yeah, no, I'm going to dress you up, man. I'm going to make you look good. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he dresses Cloud up to be the prettiest lady. Mm-hmm. And he is totally not into it, which is so great. <laughs> so, like, they go off to Gon Cornell's mansion, like, you know, with the... And, like, end up getting admitted in there. They meet up with Tifa, who immediately... Like, Cloud's immediately like, Tifa, you okay? He's like, uh, yeah, sure. Who are you? Wait, <laughs> Cloud? And, like, literally, it's like, wow, that hair, that dress. Cloud straight up is just like, nailed it. I know. Thank you. Anyways... <laughs> <laughs> Such a good such line a, delivery. Such a good line. So good. So they go and meet Don Corneo, who, of course, is like this sleazy gremlin man, like, you know, like, wearing gold chains, a shirt that's too tight, belly out and whatnot. Like, he immediately selects mm. Cloud, because, like, Cloud has a mouth on her. Um, Basically, like, calling him disgusting and whatnot. Mm. And, like, he takes Antifa and, like, Aerith end up going to a back room where, like, Don's men are basically going to, like, do their thing with him. With right. Her. Except they're immediately like, we're going to just kick your ass. <laughs> and his sequence is really great because one of them recognizes Aerith. It's like, oh, you're from the Coliseum, aren't you? You're one of the champion. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh-oh. <laughs> There's a really great sequence where she pulls a pillow out from underneath one of them. And then you look up to see Aerith. But now she's somehow holding a folding chair. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. It's so good. And then the, the sequence establishes like that immediately Tifa and Aerith are BFFs for life. It yeah, yeah. The, I have thoughts about this. They're good thoughts. We'll come back to them later. Mm. Fair enough. Fair enough. So yeah, they go and like they sort of rescue Cloud, but not really because he's he's fine. Mm. Right. And like they get the whole plan from Don Cornell that oh hey Shin was gonna drop the Sector Seven plate, and they're like oh sh- we need to get back there. And he's like, and that's when he dumps him to the sewers, just like in the original game, and they have to fight their way through there. All the while, like, Tifa's, like, incredibly worried about, like, oh, man, is he actually serious? Are they actually going to drop the plate and whatnot? I, this is going to be awful. And Eric's like, hey, listen, don't worry about it. We're going to stop it. If things happen, things happen. Just think about what you want to do afterwards. Like, it's like, oh, man, maybe we can all go shopping. It'll be great. <laughs> How could be our pack chocobo? It'll be fine. We're going to get to it. We're going <laughs> to do this. You know, future's not set in stone. That's what I always say. Wink, wink. Nudge, wink, nudge. Wink, wink. <laughs> So yeah, they end up by getting through there. They end up in a train graveyard, um, which is, itself is like this whole entire thing. It's not just two mm-hmm. screens like in the original. Uh, won't believe what happens there, but they end there up... There are ghost children. You have to save them from a soul eater or mm-hmm. something. Exactly, exactly. And they end up getting to Sector 7. Now, one thing I forgot to point out is that earlier, the first time Cloud arrives in Sector 7, he looks up at the pillar. And, like, he sees it, like, a flashback to it exploding mm-hmm. and the plate falling down on top of him. Oh, yeah. And there's a bunch of sequels like that where he sees things that are definitely in the future, such as mm-hmm. the reunion at the Northern Crater or whatnot, Aerith praying um, uh, at the City of the Ancients and stuff like that. So, like, it's very, very clear that, uh, yo, these are things that have happened before already and are being repeated. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, that much is very much clear because now the pillar is under attack. And like when they arrive, like they see Wedge get blown off the side, just like in the original. Though he manages to like have a grappling cook this time and saves himself from like falling to his death. Mm -hmm. So instead, he just gets like, kind of patched up while Cloud goes up to like fight and whatnot. Right. Sure. Which the time ghosts don't stop him from saving himself. They don't, no. Yeah, it's kind of weird. It's kind of weird. Those oh, also the time ghosts are all over the place. Oh, yeah, yeah. Time ghosts are also all over the place. Yes. Because they are clearly like, man, we got to make sure that there's a lot of moving parts. Mm -hmm. Got to not... make sure it all goes right, even though, once again, they haven't established why it wouldn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, time ghosts are straight up like we're working overtime tonight, but only on certain things. So Cloud and Tifa go up to help out Barrett. Um, Aerith goes to get Marlene, just like in the original. And that's when Singh mm. from the Turks shows up and is like, hey, gonna take you away from here. You're gonna get in my helicopter now. Mm -hmm. So she ends up getting captured by the Turks, uh, but not before making a deal to get Marlene to a safe place. So they get up to the top of the pillar. They see, you know, Biggs get injured and like die basically in Cloud's arms. Uh, Jesse is actually doing fine. She's like messing people up with grenades until a, a plot ghost shows up and knocks a grenade back at her. Right. Jesse has to die. Wedge, whatever. Yeah, Wedge, Wedge is fine. <laughs> the ghosts like Wedge. They like his cats. Yeah. So, you know, Jesse has this like very heartfelt thing where she's like, yeah, I know. I promised you a pizza. <laughs> yeah so they all get back up to the top of the pillar they like end up like fighting off reno and root in fact they actually stop them they stop them from activating the uh the the mechanism to release the plate great then the plot yeah. show up and go like nope <laughs> <laughs> and Ryu's able to activate it and they have to escape at the last minute and then you see the entire plate crash into the ground um you you see like people like escape and whatnot like wedge helps get like a bunch of people um out of it out of there but unfortunately, right. Wedge goes back for his cats, which is a mistake because the plot ghosts get him. They surround him and the plate falls on him. The so Wedge is dead, probably. Probably. And yeah. And like during this entire time, like you see President Shinner like, yeah, this is great. And then. <laughs> the sequence, that's terrible. You see Kate Sith, the little oh, robot yeah. cat <laughs> as the plate crashes down gets on his hands and knees and starts beating the ground <laughs> the robot cat witnessed final fantasy 7 9 11 and he's sad <laughs> it's so uh, it doesn't make sense once again um uh the voice actress for final fantasy 7 remake uh brianna white did a playthrough of this and like during the entire sequence she's like you know hand over her mouth like really emotionally vested and the cat shows up and jen she's like just gets like a face of disgust and it's just like what what <laughs> <laughs> it's such a weird call it's such a weird and unnecessary callback it's it is weird it's like it doesn't make sense mm -hmm. even knowing what we know because like the the plate crash is supposed to be like the turning point for reeve where he, he can't abide shinra anymore mm -hmm. but it's like okay why would he build Kate's and send him out before the plate crash. He was too late. I don't understand. Yeah. yeah, I don't understand. I don't understand why Kate Sith is there. It's so weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it should be noted that we do see free before this, like protesting saying, Hey, please right. don't do this. There's 50,000 people living down there. Right. 
yeah, and just straight up like Heidegger's like the oh the stench of cowardice in this room. Mm -hmm. So, like um, all that happens, um, everyone of course is incredibly sad. Barrett is just like everyone is dead. My daughter is dead. Straight, it was like, no, I think Marlene's safe. I think she's at Elmira's house, Era's house. And so they go back to there and they find out that, yeah, he's alive. Like, Marlene's alive after Bear busts in. It's like, where's my daughter? Ah! And, Marlene, mm -hmm. and Elmira's like, I got blah. Uh, so, like, uh, Elmira like, explains all of Era's backstory, which is, you know, she was basically, Elmira kept going to the train station to see if her husband was coming back from the war. One day she ended up running into Aerith's dying mom who mm. had her take Aerith to safety. And Elmira was like, well, yeah, I guess I'm just going to adopt her now because I'm pretty lonely and, you know, might as well make a good life. And then that's when she learns about her secret powers and being able to speak to the planet and learning about beforehand her husband died and all that mm. and how the Turks came to try to take her away and and have been trying to do so for like the past 10 years or so. Mm. And Elmira was like, hey, listen, I know you I know you want to go and rescue her. Please don't. The only reason she went with them is because she went willingly, because according to the Turks, she had to go with them willingly. Otherwise, their plans wouldn't work. So I'm sure that once they get what they need from her, they're going to let her go. It will be fine. Mm -hmm. And like after some finagling, they eventually convince her. It's like, no, actually, we need to go and rescue her. There's this dude whose name is Hojo. <laughs> you don't need to say more. And she's like, oh, yeah, he sucks. Anyways, go. <laughs> so some more stuff happens. Like you actually go back to Sector 7 in a sequence that I think is really bad. Um, yeah. You go to Sector, yeah, Sector 7 ruins that don't really seem that destroyed despite a giant plate falling on top of it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a sequence later that kind of redeems it a little bit, but we'll get to that. Um. And you end up going to meeting up with Leslie again to like kind of figure out a way to get to the top of the plate because you hear that Don Corneo has been like arrested essentially. Mm -hmm. uh, it turns out he's in hiding. Leslie tries to betray him and shoot him because it turns out Leslie's fiance went to be one of Corneo's brides and then disappeared, just leaving her ring behind. Uh, and so he's very sad about that. Mm. He, he fails to get his revenge. Uh, but at the end, like your entire team is like, hey, listen, buddy, it's fine. She's probably still alive. No, she's not. Yeah, Leslie's like, I guess I gotta go find her first. And it's like, oh no, don't you shouldn't fill him with false hope like that. She got fed to the weird dog mutant thing. Yeah, yeah, she's dead. I'm sorry. It's I don't I don't know what to tell you, Leslie. Uh yeah, it's bad. It's bad advice to yeah, give him. It but, is. But yeah, he gives him a bunch of grappling cooks and uh, like, they decide they're going to grapple on top of the Sector 7 plate, basically climb up the ruins and get to Shinra headquarters. And, like, before then, like, like, Baird straight up is like, Cloud, before this, I thought you were just a dumb, aloof asshole. But it turns out, you're actually a nice guy. You're all right. And Cloud's like, yeah, whatever, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and Eris like, man. But bashfully. Yeah, bashfully. He does it very bashfully. And, like, Eris like, man, uh, not Eris, the chief is like, man, yeah, I can't wait to rebuild the bar. And Bear's like, yeah, we should definitely do that. Cloud, you in? He's like, for a price. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> callbacks. Ah. <laughs> uh. Anyways, they get on top of the Sector 7 plate and um, they basically start fighting their way up through it. Like, they immediately get discovered by Shinra soldiers and, like, actual capital letter soldier soldiers mm -hmm. fight a giant, like, machine and whatnot. In a sequence that's so good. Oh, the music in that good. section is so good. And you see the destroyed oh, city. 
um the top half of the sector seven that does look really messed up uh-huh like oh it's so good it's so good Anyways, they get to the top, they get to the Shinra headquarters and whatnot. You see that it's like on high alert and whatnot. Mm -hmm. You're expecting like something to happen. Like you all end up sneaking in uh, incredibly loudly. Like mm -hmm. Cloud's like, I think we should sneak in through the back. Was to do it stealthily. They immediately get caught, have to fight the way through. <laughs> um, like they start taking like uh, either the elevator or the stairs up. Um, mm -hmm. And like, oh, the stairs part is so good. The stairs part is so good. They get so tired. And like, so tired, and you've got to like actually run them up the every flight of stairs, every single flight, and like everybody but Chifa gets tired eventually, <laughs> which is so good. It's so good. Cloud and Barrett have like a stupid race. They do. It's great. Oh, I love it. I love it. So they they get all the way out to the top and whatnot, and like eventually, like ah. Uh, there's kind of we kind of don't even have time to talk to about this, but you go through like basically like the Shinra Museum, which is just uh -huh. like here's everything President Shinra loves, which is like here's the cigars in a case and a gold gun. Mm -hmm. There's a callback to Final Fantasy X two in there. It's great. Um, uh, but um, oh yeah, you like you see like all the different heads give like presentations on their different departments, which is all of them not caring about their jobs except right. Reeve, who does. Uh huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, but yeah, eventually you kind of like get like summoned by a person who's like, hey, listen, can you go talk to the mayor of Midgar? <laughs> uh, you meet up with Mayor Domino, who's like, you people are idiots. You know how many times you've been caught? <laughs> you know what the only reason you haven't been caught is because of me? Also, by the way, I'm working with Avalanche. I'm a mole on the inside. Isn't that cool? I bet that's cool. Uh, I'll s I, I think the main cell's supposed to attack tonight. You're not part of that? Weird. Anyways, mm. uh, you need to go up to President Ho to Hojo's lab. That's where Aerith is. It's on the 65th floor. So they go, they fight their way up there. Um, they like spy on uh, a Shinra board meeting, which is basically just everyone being like, okay, we're not going to rebuild. We're going to build the promised land. We're going to build mm -hmm. Neo Midgar. Hojo, how's it coming along with the agent? And Hojo does his normal thing of like, I'm going to breed her with a dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think they did update it to say, I'm going to breed her with a human. That's true. Uh, I, I think he floats like soldier candidates. Mm-hmm. True, true. Yeah, I think he I think he does do that, but everyone still is like, ah. Oh. Uh, it, it's my favorite thing because like Hojo's like they're like talking, and I think Heidegger is like, yes, we this is an important part of the plan. All of the security forces are at your disposal. And mm -hmm. Scarlet's like, Yo, if you gotta torture her, like I'll help with that. And then Hojo's <laughs> like, No, I'm just gonna breed her. And everyone's like, Ugh. It's like, yeah, that's too amoral, even for us. Even for us, like I'll torture the bitch, but goddamn. Yeah, not doing anything more than that. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh boy. But yeah, um, yeah, so you experience all of that. Um, if you're like me, you're playing the first run of the game and hit the wrong button, you'll also will soft lock at that point, which is fun. Uh, uh yeah. <laughs> lost an hour of progress doing that once uh, and then yeah you go up to Hoja's lab that's when uh, you you see him you, you see him release Red 13 the our, everyone's favorite red dog person be like I mm. wonder what will happen if you interact with the ancients this will be weird oh no he's trying to attack me now <laughs> so you, you rescue Aerith you fight off a bunch of like crazy Hojo experiments and mm. you even catch up with Hojo and are about to kill him I was like, well, 
I've been trying to kill people this entire game. Now I'm going to finally kill you. Oh, no, plot ghosts. Oh, no, plot ghosts. Yeah, plot ghosts literally take Ocho away. <laughs> Cloud then has a headache and, like, he sees Sephiroth walking off and he tries to follow him as well before, like, being shaken out of it uh, by his friends. And so, like, they end up going up to, like, Eris' room and, like, kind of learn about, like, her time at the in Shinra headquarters and, like, how, like, things were, like, really kind of bad, you know? Like, mm -hmm. they didn't really mess with too much, but they definitely messed with their mom an awful lot. Oh, there's another really messed up sequence where, like, Hojo is, like, interrogating Aerith, and she's, like, in a pod. Mm -hmm. And she's just, like, staring straight ahead, just stoic. And he's like, man, yeah, it's too bad you're not a pure-blooded ancient like your mom. Oh, would you like to see your mom, by the way? Would you like to see her? We, we we got we literally scooped up her dead body and cataloged every piece of her every little uh, cell and he's doing that like while like putting his face up against like the pod and like wriggling mm -hmm. around it's real it's so weird it's so weird once again hojo the most consistently written character in this yep. series just always as gross as possible always as gross as possible so yeah like they end up um like they end up like, like kind of like going like through this place called the drum, which is part of like Hojo's lab and whatnot. And like they're about to get through, and they actually legit run into Sephiroth, who shows up, breaks the walkway, mm -hmm. and is like, hey, how's it going? I'm out. Everyone's like, who the hell was that? This <laughs> <laughs> is weird. Um, oh, uh, Palmer, one of the execs, also sees Sephiroth as well, tries to report to everyone else, and they're like, like, you know, Scarlet and Heidegger and all that, and like, whatever, shut up, you little man. <laughs> they eventually get up to President Shin, like um, like President Shinra's office. Like after like seeing like, oh man, there's a bunch of destroyed stuff here. There's a bunch of blood everywhere. Mm. Uh, oh, they find Genova's tank. Uh, they find that it's empty and that's really weird. They get up to President Shinra's office and they're like, oh, Shinra's not here. Where is he? And they walk out and they see that he is just like hanging on the side of the roof. And he's like. Oh, hey, Barrett, how's it going? I, I, don't ask me how I know your name. It, it, I don't actually say it in the game, but uh, it, if you save me, I'll give you money. And Barrett's like, oh, you'll give me give me money. <laughs> Picks him up, throws him against the wall. There's a lot of things I want to do with you. There's a lot, a lot of real, real bad things. If it wasn't for the fact that I have a real big mission I'm trying to do here, trying to save this girl, I would probably kill you right now. <laughs> you piece of shit. You absolute asshole. You worst person in the world. And Shinra's like, well, you know, that's all well and good. It's a good thing that you basically threw me near my desk. Because now I have a gun. <laughs> I, imagine Barrett, I imagine Barrett's like, what? God, mm. what are you going to do with that? <laughs> <laughs> and like, um, Barrett's like, hey, listen, I won't kill you if you clear my name and shut down all the mock reactors. And he's like, I'm not going to do that. We're going to build Neo Midgar. It's going to be the grace. Sword through chest. It's like, yep. uh, oh. And then Sephiroth's like, oh, hello. <laughs> How y'all doing? And Barrett's like, what the hell? What are you doing? And then Sephiroth's like, oh, hi. Stabs Barrett in the chest. It's like, everyone's like, oh. And then Barrett's like, starts dying. He's like, well, that's pretty great. Plot goes though, <laughs> then immediately show up and heal Barrett. And like, nope. Not letting this happen. <laughs> and Sephiroth's like, oh, these stupid ghosts. Like, he slices them away and whatnot. And then, like, out of nowhere, another cloaked man shows up and transforms into Genova. Like, creates mm. an illusion of a room to, like, basically distract him while Sephiroth gets away. And, like, 
they immediately like fight it and like in a fight that is starts out so disappointing because they have like an orchestral version of Genova's theme that's like uh-huh. kind of bad. Mm. And then you get the phase three and the real theme kicks theme in. Kicks in. Oh, it's so good. And it's like, oh, you people get it. <laughs> just, just go on YouTube and look up collections of streamers reacting to that drop. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Ah, oh, yes. I'm normally not into streamer reactions, but I am into that. It's so good. So eventually they like defeat that. They get up top. They see Sephiroth with Genova's body. And and then he cause like, hey, listen, I'm going to stop you one day. And Sephiroth's like, no, you're not. Anyways, no, you're not. jumps off the building and and just disappears. So they step off the roof and they're like, well, I guess uh, everything's good. And then the helicopter lands and Shin- Rufus Shinra comes out. <laughs> and Barrett's like, well, maybe we can still negotiate with him. And Rufus is like, nah, I'm going to be even worse. Don't worry about it. Yep. And Barrett's like, ah, damn it. Guess not everything could change. And so, every- but Rufus, by the way, is the one character who still looks like he walked out of Advent Children oh, in this does. game. And it's perfect. It's perfect for him because he looks like the little tryhard that he is. He looks like a tryhard Wesker wannabe mm. and acts like it. Oh, he and it's does. great. <laughs> His fight is so hard with Cloud until you learn the one trick that Shinra execs hate. <laughs> oh. Yeah, Cloud has a big old giant fight with him that eventually he's like, oh, wow, yeah, you're pretty tough. Gonna get on this helicopter? See you later. I'm gonna let my security forces take He's also you. like a soldier, huh? I feel like I would have remembered you. Anyway, bye. Oh, yeah, he does totally do that because, yeah, Cloud's like, I'm an ex-soldier. He's like, huh. If you say so. I you are. Yeah, he's he's like a little bitch, honestly, but all right. <laughs> no, he, it's even better because he's like a soldier, huh? Well, that means you belong to me. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's told him, like, yeah, you work for <laughs> so me. So good. Oh, it's like, I own you then. Mm-hmm. He's so swarmy. I love him. I love him. <laughs> great. He's so great. He's so great. So the other team tries to run away. They get into, like, this game's really good about taking, like, really mm-hmm. ancillary, like, random encounters or boss fights, like the Hell House, mm-hmm. um, and, like, making it into, like, these, like, really grand things. And they do the exact same thing with the escape. Like, you get into his incredibly giant fight on an elevator that like busts into like one of like the halls and whatnot we mm-hmm. just fight this giant tank that is just doing its best to just try to murder you it's so good it's really great because in this section you're controlling barrett and Aerith, who are your two range characters mm-hmm. so it turns into a shootout yep. and you're like ducking behind cover mm-hmm. you're like wow i would i did not even think about like having a ranged battle with cover in this game no but it yeah. works super it, it- well it somehow does. It somehow does. And like, yeah, like all that's going on. Like Red 13's helping you out. He's like not a playable character in this game because you get him mm-hmm. so late, but like he's there as well. And like eventually you'll you defeat him, get out of there. Like y'all get on the highway and like drive away. You just like you go to escape Midgard just like in the original. And then you get to the end of the highway. And like when you get there, um, like you just see like a giant like like basically all the whispers are like just like hanging out like surrounding the Shinra building and like Eros just straight up was like hey guys listen I th- things are gonna get weird <laughs> I just kind of want you to know that because like they run to Sephiroth and he like cuts the passageway thin air and just disappears into it he's like hey Cloud you should follow me uh-huh. and Eros like we kind of have to <sighs> 
Um, we might be defying destiny, but Sephiroth is a lot more dangerous <laughs> By the way. to the planet than Shinra is, and he has to be stopped. And I'm telling you this now because things are going to happen. Things are going to happen. They're bad. Uh, okay. So everything involving Shinra HQ, in my opinion, is like the best part of this game. Yep. It's like, it's all cylinders from like the minute you get to Shinra HQ to the, uh, to the highway escape, mm -hmm. which there's not much to say about other than it rules. And yeah, the remix great. of that track is so good. It's so good. Um, and then we get to this, which basically is like, you get to the end of the highway and Sephiroth's just there mm -hmm. being like, sup, I'm here. Yep. And like everything from this point on is like, what is happening? This is easily the weakest part of the game. Yeah. I'll be straight up. And it's kind of frustrating because it's also the most, like, new part of the game. Mm -hmm. It's the part of the game where the team added, like, it's the most, this is a different thing now, part yeah. of the game. And it kind of doesn't work or make sense. I think it, I think the end result works. I think everything yes. that happens during that, though, does not work. Yeah, the, what they're doing is honestly cool, and I like it, but mm. the way they get there doesn't make sense. It doesn't, no. So you go into the portal, and it turns out you're in, like, another, like, version of Midgar that's, like, slowly falling apart. And right. It, and it's falling apart mostly because the Whispers know you're there, and they're like, oh, you're not supposed to be here. We're going to make right. a giant Whisper that's here. He's literally bait. We're just letting you know. <laughs> and we're going to send basically recreations of Cloud, Tifa, and Barrett and Aerith and all that. And they're going to go down and fight you. They're going right. to go down and fight you. And it's implied that it's like the future versions of yourselves from another timeline. Or alternatively, the Advent children. Yeah. One or the other. It's, it, we don't really know, but they're here. So why don't you fight them? And yeah, you do. Yeah, just fight them. Yeah. Yeah, so you do. You banish to defeat fate. You kill it. Fate is dead, which, which turns out that's what Sephiroth wants. Right. Okay, so, like, my problem with this is... So, one other thing is when you're breaking out of Shinra HQ, uh, the main avalanche shows up. Oh, yeah, they do. That, right, oh, there's one other... Yeah, I got it. There's so much that happens in this game. I can't believe There's so this. much. There's so much that happens. Yeah, main... Um, but, but, oh, go ahead. You go ahead and do this. Yeah, so avalanche shows up and, like, helps to cover your escape. And Wedge is there. Yeah, he's there. He's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm okay. Because also when you went into the ruins of Sector 7, you found him and he was still alive. Mm -hmm. So you like brought him back to, to Amira's house and like she and Marlene nursed him back to health. Yeah. And then he joins the assault mm -hmm. and he's like, all right, let's go. You guys get away. We're helping you. And then the fate goes to throw him out a window or something. Yeah. They, they literally show up and they're like, no, you aren't supposed to be dead. How are you not dead? Die. <laughs> And throw him out window, and yeah. presumably he dies, although not confirmed. Not confirmed. Not confirmed. Yes. So it's like, okay, in the last like two hours of this game, the ghosts have saved Hojo, impeded your progress, saved Barrett from dying, killed Wedge, saved the whole car of your party from being crushed by a robot on the highway escape. Like... It's not established that these things are villains or on your side. They're just, they're literally just serving a function. Mm. And then Aerith is like, yeah, we ought to kill him. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, you need to defy fate in order to stop Sephiroth because otherwise Sephiroth is going to defy fate and he'll just do what he wants to do. 
is the but she doesn't even say that she doesn't she's just no. like we gotta go to the crossroads of fate and defy destiny yeah like out of nowhere yeah she and is it's like incredibly why? vague about it in a way it's like why and i think even a part of it is like the english translation of what she says isn't totally great mm. Like the, the the translated script is a little weird and extra vague compared to like the way it reads in Japanese. Oh, is that so? I didn't realize that. It, I, I heard that like a few things are just sort of weird, and like if you look at the Japanese translation, there's like more information to glean about it. Hmm. But even so, it's like, why exactly are we doing this? Yeah. And, like, there's an implication that maybe Sephiroth has corrupted the Whispers. Hmm. But you're not... That's not clear. Yeah, there's two interpretations. Either they've he's, like, corrupted the Whispers somehow, or is about to. Or right. two, he... If, he's le- if this is left alone, he's going to find a way to defy fate in a way that you can't. And so he'll right. succeed in his plans. Right. So that's the reason why you have to defy fate so you can defy Sephiroth ultimately. Right. Which also gets to the sudden realization that, oh, there's two Sephiroths. Mm-hmm. There's like the one that's supposed to be here. And then there's the one that's actually inhounding you through the whole game in Cloud's like brain. Yeah. Yeah. There was a theoretical implication that there are now multiple Sephiroths. Right. And like the one that shows up at the end of the highway is that new Sephiroth. Hmm. And he's, like, taunting you by being where he's not supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, it, it's... It, the amount of Sephiroth and what they're doing is, much like a lot of things in this game, not overly explained. And hopefully right. they will build upon that in the next hopefully. couple of games. Because there's also, like, there's a weird thing about... In President Shinra's office... Mm-hmm. Sephiroth is there, yeah. which in the original he kind of was. You find like Shinra's body mm-hmm. impaled by the Masamune, yeah, which is like, oh, Sephiroth was here and killed him. Whereas Sephiroth like does that in front of you this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's not clear. It's not clear, yeah. and it's not any clearer here. Yeah. So all all that to say that what exactly is going on with Sephiroth is kind of very unclear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'll forgive it because it's the first of what's supposed to be a trilogy. Right. But uh, so yeah, it's it's possible this could all read a lot better in retrospect once the others come out. Yeah. Yeah, but at the moment, it, it's it's very weird. And yeah, this entire sequence is incredibly controversial. Yeah. Also, then it throws you into the middle of a hurricane and you start like triple jumping around flying debris and fighting giant fate ghosts with superpowers. Yeah. And it's like the power scaling just goes whack for this one section. <laughs> That it does. It really, really does. So, yeah, that that all happens. And, like, I believe it's during the sequence where it might be slightly after. You also get a flashback to Zack and his final stand with Cloud outside. Of oh, Vanguard, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, you know, it's about to be the point where Zack is about to get murked real bad. Mm-hmm. And then, like, it cuts back to your party and Sephiroth shows up and he's like, oh, hey, thanks for doing that. Killing fate. Mm-hmm. This was great. Anyways, you wanna get in a fight, I guess? You wanna wanna fight? That'd be cool. Yeah, let's fight Sephiroth. And this this part feels like okay, it's the end of a Final Fantasy VII game. We have to have a fight yeah, Sephiroth now. Yeah, this this feels like uh, it would be kind of disappointing if you fought it, the whispers. It doesn't, 
it doesn't matter that there's two more games to come. This actually isn't the end. You have to have a fight with Sephiroth. That's the end of a Final Fantasy VII game. The next game's not going to be out for like five more years. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So get 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 the money shot here, and that's exactly yep. what they do. So you have a big old fight with Sephiroth. Um, it is a cool fight. I'll say that much. Yeah, it's uh, fine. And like at the end, like you know, everyone's like having visions of like, oh man, Aerith dying, the meteor curtain mm-hmm. towards Midgar, and all that. Like they even have like Red Thirteen witnessing destroyed Midgar. Like right, and they're like, boy, this seems bad good thing mm-hmm. we changed fate right that's how that works yeah and, and that is one part i find really interesting about this segment is like they're talking about all these things like it's a calamity to come mm-hmm. but then they show the end of Final fantasy 7 as part of that and it's like oh that the original timeline might be a bad ending it might be yeah yeah which i mean it's the, it's the timeline has dirge of service they're correct yeah fair <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, they're like, wow, that's really weird. And like Cloud like ends up like in a separate place just with Sephiroth and they have their big old standoff, just like the end of Final Fantasy VII. Right. But this time Cloud actually loses. Mm-hmm. And Sephiroth's like, ah, you're not quite strong enough, but don't worry, you probably will get stronger. By the way, just letting you know. Seven seconds before seven the seconds end, buddy. The end. Anyways, later. And this so they... is the one part I actually like a lot. <laughs> If it had just been that one cutscene, if they'd like walked in some weird portal mm-hmm. and Cloud had just had that one cutscene, I I actually would have been okay. Yeah. Just just a Sephiroth's little hidey hole where he's just like, mm-hmm. let me just style on you for a second. Yeah, it's like you're weaker than me. Go get stronger. And in and in seven seconds, you have seven seconds. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> that would be pretty good. So yeah, Whispers defeated. Fate's been defied, and everyone's standing on, like, the edge of the, the freeway, and like, well, I guess we need to go stop Sephiroth now. And Barrett's like, oh, hell yeah, I'm in. Everyone's like, yeah, this is gonna be real cool, can't wait to do this. Boy, I wonder if things have changed. And it turns out things have changed. Mm. Like, we see, the, like, the orphanage that's in Sector 5, and we see that Biggs is there. He's recuperating from his injuries. Like, um, we see Jesse's bandana, which also implies she's alive. Mm-hmm. But probably the biggest change is that we then cut to the middle of the desert and we see a like bag of chips like fly by or like a some sort of poster and it has stamp on there except stamps now a different dog wearing mm-hmm. a different army hat mm-hmm. and we see zach and cloud walking towards midgar and zach's like boy can't believe i defeated all those guys <laughs> weird huh buddy anyways can't wait for you to meet this girl her name's eris she's crazy and it's like oh oh Oh, sh- shit. Mmm, new timeline. Yeah, like, what does this mean? Like, is this, like, a new timeline? Is this a new, like, completely new universe? Because that's a different stamp? Like, what's going on? Like, are is Zach... Does this translate to the current timeline somehow? Are we going to run into Zach? Who knows? It's hard to say. This this one scene left me incredibly intrigued. I was like, okay, no, yeah. I, I gotta know. I gotta know. Yeah. No, I'm I'm very interested in what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Like even even if I found the way that they got there shaky, I'm very interested in the possibilities of what is is this. Oh yeah, yeah. Same here. Same here. Because I mean, maybe they had to be very on the nose and kill mm-hmm. destiny, but the idea that they're like, hey, no, we. We could theoretically change things considerably right. is very exciting. And they have been on record saying that we're going to follow most of the major story beats, but no, mm-hmm. yeah, expect, expect weird stuff. Right. And I'm like, 
yeah, no, on board. Can't wait. Which has led everyone inevitably to one question, mm-hmm. which is, so what happens to Aerith now? Yeah, does she live? Does and happen? this might be the most brilliant thing because mm-hmm. in a straight remake, it would be impossible to re- to recreate the feeling of Aerith dying yeah. suddenly and unexpectedly. And the fact that they lean into it and like they even have a sex, they have a scene in the game before you go rescue her where she sort of like astrally appears to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a ghost. And, yeah. As, and like what she says to Cloud is, this has been a lot of fun, but you can't fall in love with me. Yeah. And Cloud's like, don't I even say this? She's like, eh, not really. Nope. Nope. Not really. And just the way they lean into that. And then all of a sudden they're like, yeah, okay, but what if though? Yeah, what if? Yeah, it's. And, and now you're like, now it's not, oh my God, she died. It's, is she going to die the whole time? Yeah, they're they're allowed they're allowed to serve that that little section of cake again. They're allowed to do that again. It's mm-hmm. whether it's going to be with Aerith, like whether they do kill Aerith, whether they do not, whether they kill somebody else or do not. Right. Some yeah, other it could be sequence, it could be someone else now. It could totally be like it's it actually is inadvertently brilliant. It allows them to have that big twist again. Mm-hmm. And like that's great because like honestly that was the big thing about like remaking this or any property is like well. What can you are you gonna ultimately do different? Right. And like, you know, that's not to say I haven't like had played some remakes or remasters and enjoyed them. But mm-hmm. it's like, you know, you've experienced it once. It's not gonna hit as hard. Right. But now it's like, oh, this actually could. Mm-hmm. It gives me some hope. Which is scary scary coming from Square Enix. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> but before we kind of get to our final thoughts, we do need to talk about integrate really quickly. And uh yes. good news, this is not gonna take long. <laughs> So Intergrade was released as part of the port of Final Fantasy VII to PC and PlayStation 5. And it basically follows Yuffie Kisaragi, everyone's favorite 16-year-old ninja, as she infiltrates Midgar to find out what Shinra's up to. Specifically that she gets word they're making a cool new materia and she wants to steal that because that's her thing. That's her whole thing. I've heard very good things about how this plays. And some gameplay videos I've seen do sound like show like it probably does play really cool, but the story itself is actually quite slight. Okay. Uh, it turns yeah. out they actually don't do a whole lot to change things, but uh, the long and short is takes place basically during the time when Cloud is away from Baron and Tifa after falling off uh, off the platform near sect uh, the uh, Mach Reactor Five. Mm-hmm. So like while he's hanging out with Aerith, Yuffie is kind of doing her thing and. Her big thing is that Wutai has actually teamed up with Avalanche, uh, the okay. main cell of Avalanche, which you get to right. meet. Um, these people, we don't need to talk about them other than one character is the most Tetsuya Nomura-ass main <laughs> character I've ever seen. She's a young woman with short hair, glasses, and a shirt that looks like it's a button-down shirt, but it's not. It has a tie, it has buttons, but then like it stops and becomes two strips of of fabric that are formed into an X that connect to her shorts, and then she has another shirt underneath that. It's stupid looking. I hate it. Anyways. Oh, uh, he can't help himself. He cannot help himself. 
Anyways, they basically exist to be like, hey, yeah, no, we're teaming up with Wutai because we want to stop Shinra, but we're not crazy like the Splinter Cell. And we need to team up with Wutai because a lot of our more, um, what if our better members ended up going off the Splinter Cell, like the people who make fake IDs and whatnot. Hmm. Uh, and so like, all right, well, I guess we got to team up with you idiots. If you, so like, basically you do some odd jobs for them and eventually you go off to do your own thing. Uh, Yuffie meets up with another Wutai member by the name of Sonon, who's like about five years older than her, maybe more. Mm. Uh, Sonon basically had a uh, a sister who basically looks exactly like Yuffie. Okay. <laughs> and yeah, sure. she died tragically oh. uh, due to Shinra. Right. And so he really, really wants to just destroy them and doesn't care about the civilians and whatnot. Like, he's just, he's very much ride or die. If Megar were to explode today, I'm cool with it. Mm -hmm. uh, he basically treats Yuffie like a little sister uh, even though he also refers to her as boss right so they all end up sneaking in to Shinra HQ to try to find this materia and they actually end up running into Scarlet uh, hmm. everyone's favorite voluptuous uh, weapons designer it's it's really funny because like you like, basically like, bust in one to like a bunch of um like media figures who are straight up like hey yeah so you work here right can you tell us all about this 16-year-old girl? What's going on? Is another reactor going to blow up? And it's like, dude, she's like mm -hmm. 16, and she's wearing like a weird, like, sweater bra. I'm not really <laughs> sure what she's wearing. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. But yeah. I don't think I don't think she works for Shinra, dude. And like, they all walked heavily armed into an elevator with Scarlet and a bunch of soldiers, and the soldiers don't react. Like, oh, yeah, no, business as usual. <laughs> And Scarlet immediately starts taunting them, like, oh, Wu-Tai soldiers and whatnot. Man, Wu-Tai sucks, don't they? They're the absolute worst. I heard they're cowards who die that I've killed. I've killed a lot of them personally. It's weird, huh? Do you, do, you, do you think that's cool? And Yuffie's like, yeah, I guess. Trying not to murder you right now. <laughs> anyway, Scarlet, like, pit pegs them as Wu-Tai members and immediately like, right. traps them into, like, a big giant, like, death trap weapons lab. That um, they immediately bust through and break out. Like, like Scarlet tries to fight them in a giant mech, and which immediately gets blown up. <laughs> which Scarlet doesn't see the mind. She's like, ah, oh, the actuators are broken. I should have known this. I guess we're gonna have to go back to the drawing board with this one. They're like, hey, you know, we're right here. We're about to capture you. What do you think about that? She's like, oh, I just activated this transmitter. So, what are you gonna do about it? I do kind of enjoy that their depiction of Scarlet ramps up her like scientist side just a little bit mm -hmm. yeah the insane sadist is still like in full force but he's also got like this very clinical mind and very research focused like she's very she seems like a very driven sadist now she is yeah and i guess i should describe charlotte uh charlotte geez scarlet a little bit um she wears like a weird red business dress is i guess right. what you would call it um, blonde hair that's uh, up in a bun, uh, you know, tall, voluptuous person who a lot of people want her to step on them. Uh, and which and over the course will. of games, she steps on a lot of people. Yeah, um, she will do that. Uh, she basically has a soldier whose entire thing is to just walk on his hands and knees and act as a footstool. And when mm -hmm. she walks away, he has to follow her doing the same thing, which I just assume he's into that. Um, I sure hope so. I hope so man. too. 
So, like, yeah, that's her whole thing. But, yeah, she's also, like, really into science and, like, yeah, now trying to develop cool material and weapons. And, like, she, mm-hmm. when things go wrong, she's like, okay, now I'm going to diagnose this and figure this out. Yeah, it's a good character. I like Charlotte. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so turns out the transmitter activates and then all of a sudden, a shadowy figure walks into another room. As we see in the upper right corner, it identifies this room as Deep Ground. Uh... Yes, this is the worst. <laughs> And so out walks Nero. So Nero, as you, if you remember, is a dude has bandages all over his face, a weird metal winks, and has darkness powers. And he walks up to his brother Weiss, who's buff Sephiroth, and is like, oh, I heard they're trying to make a digital copy of you. That's really stupid. Why would they do that? There's only one Weiss. Uh. And then they like, try to make a digital copy of him, which you can actually fight later. It's, mm. I think they just literally did that so they have an excuse you could fight him later. Right. Because Weiss's entire thing is he's just going to sit in a chair and be like, how's it going, brother? Oh, I heard you're about to go murder a couple of Wutai people. Rad. Anyways, cool. I'm out of the game now. <laughs> so Nero is now on the hunt, and he goes and immediately hunts down um, uh, Sonon and Yuffie. They get into a big old giant fight, and they actually manage to defeat him. And Sonon's like, I don't think he's going to be down for long. You need to get out of there. And so like, they get to a door, and they're about to escape when Sonon realizes, oh, Nero's still alive immediately shields Yuffie from a basically a blade that goes mm. straight through his chest. And Yuffie's like, oh, Sona, no! And Sona's like, you gotta live, Yuffie, go on. You're like my sister and stuff. Bye. Pushes her through the door, and like Yuffie like runs out of the building crying like, why are you treating my kid? This is awful. You know, I'm not your sister. Why'd you have to die? Like, Lily runs mm. out and is about to get onto the Sector 7 plate. Right when it explodes, falls down and, and like destroys everything. So she gets to witness that as well. Oh, neat. Yeah. Neat. So cool. Having a good day. She is having the best day. And like she's covered in Sonon's blood as well. There's like very little blood in Final Fantasy VII. Really, right. Except for this one sequence where there's a <laughs> lot of blood because Sonon huh. gets stabbed a lot. Right. And then we cut back to said Sonon, who's like thinking of his sister and is like, oh, why he's getting surrounded by darkness. And then Nero just stabs him a bunch of times in the chest. You get the scene. He just dies. Okay. And then gets grabbed by the face by by him and then dragged into the darkness. It's messed up. <laughs> oh. So he's going to come back as like a cyborg something. Yeah, probably. I 100% going to have to fight in Yuffie's loyalty mission or whatever. Yeah, he's 100% going to be back and it's going to be unnecessary. But um I although I do like Sonon actually right. as a character. Okay, so but... they they said, "Hey, Yuffie was like a nothing character that people were kind of fond of, but ultimately couldn't like say much about mm-hmm. uh what if we just dump a bunch of trauma on her <laughs> within like five minutes <laughs> that might that might fix this character it might and who knows it might um it doesn't seem like it from the immediate scene afterwards where she's like walking along the road to calm the city that's outside of midgar on a chocobo and she's like man i guess i can't do this on my own and she's like being very peppy he's like you should join yuffie's squad do cool things she's like still acting like your normal self so it's like if, if okay. she's affected it's not immediate but you know we still have another game to go yeah the final final scene though is literally our original team of cloud Aerith, uh tifa and barrett and red 13 walking down the road to calm and Everyone's like, Barrett, can we, are we literally going to walk all the way there? <laughs> Eventually, like, they, like, hitchhike, like, there's a fun sequence of Tifa, like, teaching Aerith how to properly <laughs> hitchhike. Right. Uh, and they're, like, you know, talking about, like, hey, you know, like, 
what what's the difference between like waking like what is a day like the end of the day is the end of the day at, at night or is it like the following morning like what do you think barrett cloud how about you <laughs> <laughs> like it's just this really weird like character moment that he decided to yeah, stick at the end here it's just banter it's fun i like it yeah i get and he finally it ends with them arriving at calm i think the whole thing is that we don't want to show you walking to calm we just want you to start there which makes sense fine right uh, the final final sequence though is Zach outside of Eris Church just like rehearsing to himself like oh boy what am I going to say to this girl I haven't seen in four years and haven't answered 88 of her letters oh boy this is going to be kind of bad I'm just going to bust in there to say hey so he busts in there and says hey but he sees a bunch of like you know refugees being all sad and he's like uh uh and then the game ends mm. and that's where we're at with Final Fantasy 7 Remake the last little piece of media is that a trailer did come out a few months ago that didn't really show much. Literally mm-hmm. just uh, Sephiroth and Cloud walking in Nibelheim with some voiceover, including Aerith straight up being like, wait, I'm supposed to die? <laughs> <Especially> <laughs> to uh, presumably a very exacerbated Cloud. <laughs> so don't know what exactly is going to go on in this sequel. We know it's going to be two more games. I suspect this is going to be if it's going to follow the events of the game, it's going to be up until the, up until Meteor Fall. It, well, up until Meteor gets summoned and then the last game, game is going to be about that. Mm. <laughs> that would be my guess, but who knows? Like I said, this could go in so many different directions. I think they have a real uphill battle because the strongest part of the game, the original, is Midgar. Yeah, they're going to have to do a lot of like fleshing out of other areas in the game, which is going to be a lot of work. Yeah, that's creating a lot of things out of whole cloth. And some of the things they created out of whole cloth for this, like Sonon and whatnot, I think are mm. well done. Yeah. But to Square, this is no Jima, this is no Mura. They sometimes go a little over the top. A little bit. So they well, already have at least once in this game. Yeah. Oh, man. I wonder if we're going to get more deep ground weirdos. Uh, I wonder when Genesis is going to show up. I feel like they're sort of relegating deep ground to side content. Oh, which I'm like, fine with if they do yeah. that. It's like, oh, this is also happening in Shinran. Oh, no, it's a deep ground soldier. Oh, man. Anyway. Final Fantasy VII re- uh, Rebirth Intergrade is going to have Vincent's yeah, <laughs> they're going to save Dirge of Cerberus. Here's the Dirge of Cerberus remake you didn't ask for. Oh. He saved it by making it not important. Eh, I'm down with that. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, Alex, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good. Like, for all its faults, Seven Remake is a really good game, and mm-hmm. I'm excited to see what the others do. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. They have such a fresh slate and a lot of really weird stuff that they could deal with that I'm yeah. looking forward to doing. I want to see what their interpretation of Gold Saucer is. I yeah. want to know. Yeah. It's probably going to be dumb. It's going to be great. Probably, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I. What sort of twists and turns they're going to have, what they're going to do with the fact that they've, quote unquote, defied fate. Like, mm. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. It's going to, I mean, I want to know what Zack's deal is. I want to know. How are they going to write Sid? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Oh, man. I 
I think he's going to do a lot of yelling, but I think it's going to be a lot more toned down. I think he's going to yell and then feel bad about it. Yeah, or, just... or yell at no one in particular. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Shit, I'm not looking forward to that. Yeah. Maybe maybe Sid could take a Red 13 role. He's just there to fly your airship. Mm, maybe. Uh, uh, but he'd be mechanically interesting. Damn it. Yeah. Uh, it's just like it's just like Final Fantasy said, where Sid was a really good like character in battle, but mm -hmm. no. uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm very excited for the future as well. I, I mean, Square's been killing it recently. Yeah, they've been doing good. Um, they've, they've been doing good. They've also tried. To, they've also sold off a lot of their assets and seems like they're trying to get acquired. So that's all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that could change. Really getting design. into that blockchain, huh? Yeah, yeah. I there's um. Buy our NFT figurines. God. God, the <laughs> NFT figurines. They look good too. That's the worst part. That's the worst part. They look really, really good. They're it's, really cool. But it's also like. Why if did you, you have to ruin this? If you give us a figurine, why is it in it? Why do you have an NFT with it? It doesn't make sense. You that you have the bespoke object. Ah. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh God, Square. I was about to say nothing but nice things, and then you reminded me. Yeah, but then, <laughs> but then, that happened. Outriders happened. Babylon's Fall happened. Avengers happened. Oh, right. Never mind. They're not in good shape. Anyway. They're not. <laughs> they're not. They, Final Fantasy is hanging in there and holding up the entire studio. It's that in weird remakes of old RPGs. <laughs> yeah. Specifically some of the remakes, because that Live Alive remake apparently is really good, and that <laughs> Chrono Cross remake apparently is not. Yeah, it's like every other, because uh, yeah. the Saga Frontier one was also really good. Yeah, it it's ugh. that Final mm. Fantasy Tactics remake is real. We better hope it's the good one. It's, it better, yeah, just port the PSP version, dude. Might as well fix the frame rate. Fix the frame rate. <laughs> You're on more powerful hardware. You can make it happen now. The uh, the rumors keep circulating. There's the Final Fantasy IX remake that's definitely going to happen, and I love Final Fantasy IX. I don't know if I want that. I'm not sure if I do either, but that'd be interesting be interesting mm -hmm. or not i don't know yeah i don't know maybe either. it'd be boring <laughs> maybe it'd be nothing uh yeah the future is bleak for square but yeah. uh but yeah alex do you have any final thoughts i do so one thing we kind of glossed over is Aerith's place in all this mm, yeah um, kind of did while while you're hanging out in her prison room in Shinra HQ it's it's she basically implies slash tells you that she has future knowledge mm -hmm. um that she she is aware that she is reliving uh the events of Final Fantasy 7 and has already been through the events of the entire FF7 and compilation mm-hmm and kind of knows what's going to happen, but also not. Yeah, it's like, she has it's, holes. Yeah, she has, she has holes. And it feels like as she goes through the game, those holes start to fill in. Because hmm. when you first meet her, it feels like she very much doesn't realize what's happening. Yeah. 
And then the more time she spends in the game or around Cloud, the more those she starts to get on like memories of things yet to come. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this this is interesting from a character writing standpoint. But the best part of it is like I talked a lot about how I didn't like the last chapter of the game and like the way they made this weird. Uh, this weird fate stuff and the fight with Sephiroth and how it was kind of concerning because it was like the most new part of the game and it was also kind of the weakest part of the game. Mm -hmm. To counter that, one of my favorite parts of the game is in Wall Market. Yes. From when when she like, you know, tells Cloud, no, you need to go save Tifa to... um, after they effectively, you know, they wake up in Don Corneo's mansion because they got, he likes to just randomly gas people. Yeah, for some reason. So he gassed them and then to bring them into the mansion. And then they wake up with Tifa and then they get dropped down uh, the, the trap door into the sewer and they're going through the sewer. Because the entire time, Aerith has this undeniable excitement that oh man, I don't know what happened and I don't know what's going to happen. But what I know is I'm alive and I get to hang out with Tifa again. (laughs) And it's so cute. It's so fun. She's so psyched to just, she's so psyched to just have her girl pal back. She really is. Yeah. Yeah, she is 100% on board with that. She's like, we we are gonna we are gonna be a team again, and we're gonna beat up some idiots, mm-hmm. and we're gonna flip these switches, and we're gonna make Cloud flustered and uncomfortable, and it's <laughs> man, it's gonna be great. I'm mm-hmm. she's just so sad, and Tifa's like, I don't know who you are, but you seem nice, because like their their relationship in the in the original was kind of downplayed, but here it's like. Aerith is just very clearly psyched to hang out with Tifa, and Tifa can't help but, like, catch that excitement. Mm -hmm. And by the end, they're just, like, bestest friends. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's my favorite. Yeah, Tifa is definitely a little unsure of Aerith at first, and, like, almost, like, a little jealous, because he's like, hey, Cloud, Mm. how do you know her? What's uh, what's her deal? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then she drops Mm. out about five minutes in, and is like, oh, her deal is that she's just cool. She, All right, yeah, great. no, Brad. She's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that part of that part of like leaning into the future knowledge, I'm super down with. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, it's gonna be exciting to see what um, how that particular those particular relationships evolve, mm. especially if yeah, like one of them has like future sight. Like, right? How was that gonna play into it? And that's the thing is, like, I, I have a lot of gripes with kind of the plot and story progression of this new stuff. Mm-hmm. But all of the character writing in this game is just completely on point. The character writing is so good. I, we're going to just mention scenes that we really love. Um, uh-huh. So there's like kind of like a date scene you can have, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, we sort of allude to it because we've talked about Aerith's one, where you see Aerith ghost. Like, you can have, mm-hmm. like, Tifa's, and, like, Tifa's is really good. She's just, like, yeah. overwhelmed by everything that's going on, and Cloud has to comfort her, and, like, he actually hugs her. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. He hugs her too hard, actually. She's like, <laughs> light, light up, buddy. But my favorite is actually Barrett's, 
which mm-hmm. is also the yeah. most impossible to get. Because uh, <laughs> you literally had to do zero side quests in order to get his. Right. And Barrett's is just straight up like, yeah, man, can't sleep. And he's like, just thinking about all the people we've lost. But, you know, I'm also thinking about all the people at Avalanche. Like, oh, man, let me tell you about this dude who, like, you know, helps us with security and like creates the key cards and like this one person just knows how to get intel like nothing and also knows like the best place to get pizza like <laughs> and he's like just talking about all these like all the people in avalanche that he knows and how cool they are and how like, he needs to protect them and whatnot and it's like it's such a good sequence it's such a good sequence that nobody ever gets to see mm-hmm. yeah ah. oh, the relationship between Barrett and Cloud is so good and it's Mm -hmm. such a good slow burn because at the start of the game they just hate each other like Barrett has nothing but disdain for Cloud and his profession and just oh he's just in it for the money he's here for the paycheck and then he doesn't care he doesn't care about the plant he doesn't care about the people he doesn't care about anyone but himself Mm -hmm. and Cloud's like yep (laughs) yep cool yep Yep, correct yep you're 100% on point and like they have the scene going down into the reactor where like Barrett starts preaching basically about the planet and their holy mission, and Cloud's just straight up like ha- leaning against the wall with his arms crossed, like I don't care, mm-hmm. I don't care. And Barrett like gets angry at that, mm-hmm. and like so like that's where they establish things, but and then like they they very slowly warm it up. And my favorite aspect of that is like when you're in battle the party yeah. will like banter with each other and like barrett will constantly do this thing where like he'll do something cool and be like ha did you see that and at first clouds like he says like nothing mm-hmm. he's like whatever <laughs> and then eventually he's like i don't know i must have missed it <laughs> guess i wasn't watching yeah. and then like by the end of the game he's like yeah that was cool good job dude yeah he's like straight up yeah good job and barrett's like oh yeah you too yeah oh yeah yeah it's so good. It's it so good. It really is. It really, really is. Oh. Oh, yeah. The that's the thing. That's the reason why, like, that final sequence in Integrate, where it's just like them walking the calm. It's, it's so mm-hmm. out of place, but it's also like, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. I, I need to see that Barrett getting constantly pecked by a chocobo. Yes. <laughs> yes, I do live for this. Yeah. Yeah, it is. This was the right move to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really hope they keep that up. I really I hope they keep that up. And I know it's going to yeah. get more difficult because they're going to have more characters they're going to have to juggle with that. Mm. But I really hope to keep that up. Yeah. I, I'm i really honestly excited for Yuffie to have character interaction with anyone. Oh, yes. Because she just didn't have any. She had no, like, a sensible relationship with anyone. Mm-hmm. And I can already see like how it's gonna go. Like Bear's gonna try to be a dad, right? Like, like Tifa's gonna try to be a big sister but fail. Mm-hmm. Aerith's gonna try to be a big sister but succeed because she's Aerith. Right. And Cloud is just going to be at his wits' end constantly. Mm-hmm. Why? Why? Why don't you stop talking? Why don't you stop moving? Why don't you stop stealing my materia? Mm-hmm. And Yuffie's gonna notice that and just turn it up to ten when uh-huh. she's around him. Yeah. Yes, I'm looking so forward to that. There's also, I kind of hope that, like, there's a little bit of tension between them with him being an ex, like, Shinra soldier mm-hmm. and her being Wutai. It's like, you know, there's a possibility these two could have, like, met on the battlefield yeah. on opposite sides. 
Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah, yeah. One will hope that they'll do that. I, I'm certain yeah. they, I'm certain there'll at least be lip service to that, if nothing else. Like, yeah. Kind of sort of like how they did so at the start of Final Fantasy VII Remake with Avalanche and Cloud. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I hope they do. I hope they do. But yeah, really looking forward to Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. When it comes out, I don't know, eight years from now or whenever. Yeah, they say <laughs> next year. We'll see. I don't believe them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I yeah. that'd be nice, but yeah, but yeah, with that, I think that's pretty much all we have. There's technically going to be a couple more Final Fantasy projects coming along the way, including Final Fantasy Ever Crisis, which mm. they say is going to be released this year, but boy, uh -huh. it's mm. October and it's still just 2022, mm -hmm. so yeah. and there is also First Soldier, which does depict how the soldier program started. Uh, we didn't talk about it because there's actually zero story in there. Yeah. So don't worry about it. Uh, the story of how the soldier project started is it did. Yeah, it did. They gave a bunch of people guns and said, shoot each other in a simulator. And he went, okay. Yeah. Which that does seem how like how Shinra would do things. So yeah. Yeah. Honestly. Out. Yeah. And then Hoja was like, this isn't really working. I'm just going to pump ancient cells into people and see what happens. Yeah, let's just bathe them in this highly toxic substance and put alien cells in them. Sound cool? Sound cool. <laughs> Which I guess, to be fair, it worked on a few people. Uh, I mean, yeah. The emphasis on few. The For rest, certain definitions of, like, working. The rest went crazy and tried to destroy the planet, but a few, yeah. it was fine. One fell in love with his motorcycle. That honestly is a success. Sure, yeah. Uh, but yeah, really, really looking forward to that. But I, I think with that, this has gone on long enough. We've talked about yeah. so much Final Fantasy Seven. I think it's time we signed off. I appreciate everybody listening to this. Alex, I appreciate you going on this, my God, 11, 12-hour <laughs> journey. <laughs> it's like it's that. been a ride. It's been a ride. Uh, and if y'all want to hear more episodes like this, like, say, the first four parts of this, you should go to ftp.podbean.com or search through Fallen Through Plot Holes on your podcast service of choice. That's Fallen Through Plot Holes, either like spelling it exactly as you think it is, or Fallen as in F-A-L-L-I-N-T-H-R-U. And then Plot Holes. Uh, you can also, you know, pretty much find us anywhere else. Like, that, we're also on YouTube. We're there as well. Leave a like, comment, review, that all that good stuff. And uh, that's pretty much all I got. So, yeah, I'm bad at endings. So, see you later. <laughs> Take care. Goodbye. Take care.